This week's episode is brought to you by Lift Aviation. Head on over to www.liftaviationusa.com. Check out all the cool stuff they have on the website. If you see something you like, use the promo code FLYCOOLSHIT at checkout for 25% off. Uh, that's most items on the website, except for helmets. They have a couple things on sale right now, so if you guys have been on the fence about picking up a pair of shoes and trying those, now is definitely the time. The Spinners, Talons, and Dakotas are on sale for $50, bucks, uh, so it's a great time to pick up a pair of uh, Lift Aviation shoes. Some cool stuff coming in 2022, uh, some helmet upgrades, some new colors, new materials, so uh, definitely stay tuned for that, and uh, we'll have more uh, on that as we get info on it uh, later on in the year. Let's start the show. Welcome to Fly Cool Shit, the show where Jeff Petro and Mark Pollard talk about aerobatics, unique airplanes, aviation news, and so much more. Hey pilot, you're clear to enter the box. Smoke on. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of Fly Cool Shit, where we talk about flying cool shit and cool shit. What's up, Jeffrey P.? So I have a direct connection to a telephone pole so that my internet will not crap out this time. I, um, can I, can I tell you how many complaints I received about I'm your so internet? Sorry. I am so sorry. I really am. I feel like I was listening to the episode and luckily there was a barrier where I couldn't cross over into oncoming traffic because as bad <laughs> as, it, as, as bad as you guys heard it, I wanted to literally kill myself. Um, so, so I'm sorry. I, I took. I told Jeff about it the next morning, um, but so we we recorded. I don't know what, what time did we start the recording. It was like six thirty at night, my time. All, so it was nine thirty for you guys. Yeah, I know it, it, it was totally a blur. Spiral of destruction after I heard that. Just been drinking nonstop. <laughs> it was it, it was like a late night recording. You no, know, we uh, we were getting we got done pretty late, and uh, Mikey G had like a early flight, so we felt super bad and. Got everything out and, and it was a Thursday and we released the podcast at six in the morning on Fridays. And so I'm like, you know what? Everybody's going to sleep. I'm uh, I'm going to stay up. I think I, we got done like around 930 or 10 o'clock my time, West Coast time. And I stayed up and I'm like, I'm going to edit this thing and get it out. So it, you know, so it's ready for six in the morning. And I go to download all the audio clips and your audio clips were all split and off time. And it was a nightmare. And I almost... There was a split, not a split second, but like a several second uh, period where I was like, crap, I'm going to have to toss this. I'm going to have to can this episode. I'm going to have to throw it away. But you and worked the, some magic. I be, well, I, wor- I worked enough magic to get it out. I, I do, f- you know, it it wasn't perfect. It is what, it, you know, I didn't want to throw it away because, I, you know, there was lots of good stuff on there. It was so much fun to have Rob and Mike on, um, Yeah, you know, um, and there was I mean, a lot of good info. Can we blame it on anybody? We can blame it on we, whoever we want. Oh no, no! Then I fucking blame the Taliban. I'll go. I'll go there. I don't care. Let's right. just blame them. Right. Blame it on them. Blame it on them. Right. You know, one thing about about that episode, uh, and I forgot to text you this. I, I thought think you were going to say. You know, part, one thing about the Taliban. <laughs> sorry, I thought you were going. <laughs> you know, the thing about the Taliban is, um, no, the, one of the things about um, the that night that was so much fun was the before we recorded and the after we recorded. Yeah. Listening to Rob and Mike talk back and forth about, um, 
random stuff, dude, like about setting up photo shoots at air shows and doing this and doing that and just listening to like those stories. I'm like, man, we got to get them on just to talk, just to talk. And then we just shut up, which by the way, we got another complaint. (laughs) Oh God. (laughs) We're, we're, we're famous enough now to all we're getting is complaints. I love Um, complaints. Yeah. Yeah. Well, (laughs) I know, I know. Um, the complaint was that we talk, we, we interrupt guests. So, um, we have a guest today and we should try our best to not interrupt him. So basically I'm actually super excited. Well, let's introduce him. Why don't you, why don't you give him a shout out? The, I, I was trying to think of a really good nickname for him. Like the advanced stallion or something like that, but that's not really what's, what's not the character good. from the Avengers that collects all the stones. Oh my gosh. I don't know. Oh my God. Yeah. I don't, I don't know, know either. I guess we should just introduce he, him by his, he's his, kind of like his the real name. Yeah. He's kind of like the equivalent to Charlie Sheen with tiger blood. <laughs> yeah. 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 I like just that. Full send. Full send. Just, full send. just goes full send. It's Mr. Mike Lentz. Hey guys, <laughs> what's, what's up, up Mike? dude? It's going. It's uh, yeah, a lot, lot of traveling, but it's it's working. So it's keep, keeping things busy. Don't worry about uh, interrupting. We'll just have a lot of dead air. It'll be okay. Yeah. So basically, <laughs> what we're gonna do because we love our listeners is we uh, we'll, we already did the first thing. We introduced you, and um, we'll be Mark and I will be back in about an hour and a half and uh, have fun. <laughs> this <would> be <laughs> yeah, great. Just just talk. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's partially um, what I get paid to do, ironically. Public speaking was never my favorite, so that that's my profession now, but go figure. Well, <laughs> and, and here you are getting more practice. <laughs> um Mike, so you uh, were I want to we don't want to I don't want to get into the most recent event yet cuz I want to back up a little bit, but um how does it feel being, you know, making waves? over the last couple of weeks that you've made. Yeah, it was, it was unexpected. It's, 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 it's good to see people talking mm-hmm. about aerobatics and what airplanes are capable of and keeping things within limits and kind of figuring out where all, you know, where, where the line for safety is for both themselves and for the aircraft. Cause I think it's something that's good to think about whether or not it's something in a Cathlon or in an extra or an SC or whatever. Uh, you know, Jeff, you were at Worlds and saw what some of the competitors had done to their airplane and training for oh, things yeah. too. So, <laughs> so it, it's one of those, you know, how, how do you practice and how do you keep it safe and, and how do you take it to competition and, and uh, you know, just make things work? Yeah. So you're probably the authority on decathlons uh, in the United States in terms of competing. Would that be, a, that's probably a fair assessment to say. I mean, you, you probably have more time in the front and back seat of a super decathlon in competition than anybody in, in competition. Certainly. And I'm sure Greg Coons yeah. has way more expertise and time than I do being, you know, he's been the, the major air dealer show, for, yeah. him, for an air show guru for, uh, you know, decades. So, so I won't claim to be anywhere near his skill level, but in terms of competition, I, I, yeah, I've got a lot of time in the aircraft with students. We're looking at almost like 24, 2500 hours or something of super D time. Jeez, wow. when did you start instructing at UND with the uh, the Catholic? Did they originally like what? what what's your story? So you you basically got signed on as a professor at, at UND and straight into the decathlon, or did that take some time? 
It took a little bit of time. It's actually started way, way before then, you know, just even going into high school and stuff. I, I wanted to fly and had scores for engineering and stuff and thought build it or fly it. And I thought flying would be more fun. Later, I come to find that building it would allow me to afford flying it a little bit better, but that's okay. Um, I'm still in a spot where I, I don't necessarily have to fly my own airplane and I can teach students some pretty cool things. Lucky. Um, <laughs> fortunate <laughs> so far, but, uh, very blessed. Um, but I started in, in 2001 as a student and uh, at the university, the University of North Dakota is where, where I'm an assistant professor at and flight instructor and coach the aerobatic team. Um, they always had an aerobatic course for a very, very long time, well before my time there. So I saved up my pennies between flight courses and things and, and had enough that in between uh, taking my uh, CFI course and going to my double, I'm like, I'm going to take a break and do aerobatics because I remember being a private pilot. And when they get to those maneuver or the, the uh, lessons were like, okay, we're gonna do maneuvers today. I'm like, all right, awesome. And they, they say, okay, we're gonna do steep turns. And in my mind, I got my hand at 90 degrees, like steep turn. And they're like, no, 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 dial it back like 30. I'm like, no, but uh-huh. nine, steep turn, man, 90. And they're like, no, no. And I understand why the <laughs> limits are where they are, especially with normal category aircraft. But at the same time, I was kind of like, oh, I thought we'd do more than this. Like I've always seen air shows, we'll go more. Blues, yeah. watch, you know, Thunderbirds and stuff. I'm like, let's, let's do a little bit more. Um, so I had an opportunity to take our intro to airbags course. And from there, I just kind of hooked. I'm like, all right, I need to do this at some point. So that was in 03. And, uh, and I got a little bit more experience, started flight instructing for the school, um, did weather modifications. So flying to severe weather and uh, light the wings on fire, which was kind of a neat, neat process that they've got out on the west side <laughs> of the state. Um, Would you fly like an Apache or something? Uh, close. It was a, a Seneca. So they, we had a Seneca. Seneca. Okay. Yeah, Seneca 2, and, and the one we flew was kind of nice at intercoolers, so it had a lot more power than what they were normally advertised at. And then they had oh, a nice. Cessna 340s. Now they're flying, I think, 340s and King Airs or something. They've got a lot of stuff out there. Probably, but it's, yeah, C90s. It's a, and, yeah. Yeah, it's a, it's a neat yeah. opportunity to, to kind of get some more advanced severe weather flying and, and figure out where you know the safe areas are at. So it seems that I have a habit of doing things that appear uh, – on the surface to not be safe, but you take enough safety measures and precautions beforehand to make them. I mean, that's ultimately what being a pilot is, is taking something that it was a loose CK or whoever had that comedy skit about taking a metal tube and flinging it near the speed of sound at 30,000 feet. Like, how is this a good yeah, idea? Right. Yep. But, uh, <laughs> but we, as, as pilots almost... and professionals and engineers and mechanics and stuff are what make the system safe. Cause it really wouldn't be on the surface. Yeah, totally. No, it's crazy. It's almost like, remember the, uh, from what is it the dark night with the joker when he's saying um you know and everybody just freaks out like you have people strapping jet engines to airplanes and doing all this crazy shit and nobody really says anything but mike lance takes a decathlon and flies advance and everybody fucking flips out <laughs> loses their minds <laughs> out of everything that i thought would people would lose their minds over in the aerobatic community i think that you would probably be near be near the uh, the bottom of the list with that one because <laughs> there's really, I mean, the, the response anybody, was unexpected. I, I was not anticipating it. I was just having some fun with some friends, you know. That I was like, all right, you know, I, we've I practiced it. I know I can do it within speeds. It's going to look like garbage, um, you know. Like snaps are not going to be snappy. It's it's a decathlon. It's not an MX two. So mm-hmm. um, you know, things are going to be blorpy is a technical term, right? That's a term. Um, yeah, but, that's uh, a correct <laughs> nomenclature. <laughs> how, how many we'll uh, how, how many UND students have you have been through the aerobatic program with your tutelage? Oh, um, 
like rough rough numbers rough oh i I haven't even thought about the the numbers recently um if i go back kind of doing the history thing let's see i started teaching in the airplane in 2006 and then around 2008 or nine oh no it's 2008 i started helping coach the um aerobatic team and then i kind of started slowly taking over 09 and and beyond so i was kind of head coach of it for the past uh yeah eight or eight or nine years almost that's um, awesome do you have to try out for the team uh yeah yeah we, we kind of have a team selection process so so when we ask about how many students we've gone through i've, I've flown directly with a lot of students was one point where i think half the instructors at und and we have a lot of them um we usually try to keep it around 200 flight instructors on the line oh my god whoa um wow per year but it, it, around uh, i would have never guessed that Jeez, it's it's a huge system we can talk about the two in a little bit but the um yeah, around 2000, yeah, 9, 2010, I had done about, or I had done a spin flight uh, for those instructors to get their endorsement, see if I would do it in a, a two-flight system. Um, I'd probably done about half half of the instructors, one of their flights for their spin endorsement. So I had a ton of people that flew with me. That's tapered off since responsibilities as a professor have kind of picked up and things like that. But we usually have about, I teach a ground school for aerobatics uh, and as well as a bunch of other ground schools that actually pay the bills. But, uh, um, that one, I, each semester I have between 10 and 15. So we're looking at you know, somewhere between 30 and 45 students, uh, a year that I'm, you know, at least coaching through on the ground school side. And then, then we have a couple instructors that we, f- we fly with them all. So I don't fly with everybody, but I, I get to fly with quite a few. And for the, I mean, this is kind of probably self-explanatory, but, you know, once the kids get out of, uh, or young adults get out of college and, you know, they've been on the aerobatic team, is it, you think it's strictly a financial um, blockage that prevents them from continuing to do the aerobatic competition and that there's, you know, if I had a lottery ticket, I'd, I'd make an aerobatic club in every state. But if there was a club that they could be a part of similar to maybe Eagle Sport, it would continue. Um, is that something that, yeah, I think a lot of it's just the, uh, you mentioned the, it's the financial part and the affordability. I have a number of students. They're actually right now conspiring to come up with some sort of like aerobatic team, alumni aircraft club that they can get something together. The trick is, is, you know, we're, uh, the university's up in North Dakota and Grand Forks, which is in the middle and really far away at the same time. And, and, and it's also got- real good weather year round. Oh, it's, it's perfect. You have great performance when it's negative 30 out. We don't fly when it's that cold because the oil cooler has... You a, could probably... Could you fly there. unlimited in those conditions? If it was cold enough, you could probably fly unlimited. You get the climb rate, right? There, there we go. But the... Uh, but Certain yeah, IAC uh, members are like putting a red dot on your forehead right now. Wait a minute. <laughs> Luke Petter can talk about it. Can you do unlimited when it's negative 30 with the extra? Um, yeah. The... Uh, yeah, that breather tube being external from the engine bay kind of makes things a little bit more interesting when it gets that cold. So, I'd say. so we, we got limits. Yeah, you gotta have the short you gotta have the short tube. Yeah, winterization uh, kit. <laughs> yeah. But uh but yeah, they you know, once the, the students get through the program, they kind of disperse to the four winds through, you know, going to corporate aviation, airlines, different bases everywhere. Um so I have a number of them that as they're getting back into it, uh, you know, a couple of my students our uh, flight instructing now, uh, I think near Utah, they got, um, I actually got a couple calls being like, Hey, this person's asking. And I think you've worked with them before. I'm like, Oh yeah, I know that person. I helped check them out and extra before. Awesome. Yeah. They're, they're awesome. So, 
So they're getting back into it. Um, I have a handful of other students that are looking at how can they afford an aircraft. A few are already like bookmarked. It's like, okay, the next sale I make or the next commission I can get, if I can get this much, I'm already looking at an S1 or an S2. Um, and so they're certainly looking. Uh, a lot of it, you know, as they're just starting their professional career, you know, you got to really put in the grind initially. So I think the the first two things are time and money. And then, and then after that, things will start to pick up quite a bit. So like I said, I got a lot of, a lot of former students looking for aircraft and, and figuring out how to get back into it. Do you keep track you? of, um, the demographics, like any, in any f- official capacity of how many people stick with it in any metric, whether it's e- either competing or just recreational aerobatics, do you guys, does UND keep any, any track of that? Or do you keep any unofficial track of that? And like, what would you gauge as the percentage of people that, that, that stick with it? Stick with it. Uh, yeah, I haven't kept any official numbers, but, um, you know, just, just looking at those that have gone through the team and those that are, are still excited about it, still talking about it. Those that are part of the, um, either acro exploder or, or on the, uh, aerobatic pilots, Facebook page, I'd say at least, you know, I think interest is, is 50% or more. Um, staying active in terms of going to a contest and things like that is probably around 10%. Uh, yeah. we've had a lot come back, you know, that started up in, in former team members or that were part of UND that are coming back into it through uh, chapter 78, which is awesome. So we, we've seen a few more get, get active again, which is good. Have you seen the kids? Um, well, actually it's just with COVID, it kind of screwed up things because yeah. <laughs> aerobatic pilots on Facebook kind of blew up during COVID, but I'm wondering if having that Facebook group and maybe better media or digital media is going to help them stay connected in it. Because I think I'm just thinking out loud, kind of maybe one of the issues was that after college and obviously they didn't, you know, they didn't have use of the airplane and, you know, how to have careers. There was really no way to keep their finger in it or, you know, keep on what's going, what's going on. So maybe we'll see because of Facebook and that group and, you know, with IAC, you know, uh, moving more into digital, hopefully that they'll kind of stay, uh, stay with it, maybe come volunteer because they'll know when the contests are, you know, that's something to kind of consider. Yeah, hopefully. I, I think all those things will help. Um, you know, with the, with the team, I, I do a lot so that they don't have to worry about a lot of things, you know, I'll get things scheduled, get things planned and, you know, hear when the contests are at and that type of stuff. And, and they get their IC membership because you have to, to have it to compete. Um, some will keep it. I think more keeping it now than, than in the past. Uh, which is good to stay good. active that way. Um, and I know with the IC putting out a lot more digital media, that helps. But then connecting through Facebook and things like that is is certainly helping out. Uh, it'll be interesting to see how the the demographics change, you know, because now Facebook seems to be more of an aging system. But I don't know if there's anything else that's really good that's out there that I'd rely on making the same type of connections that it does currently. Um, yeah, ever- Instagram doesn't really Instagram doesn't really create the community element that Facebook does. No. I like Instagram a lot for I mean obviously for for a media um from a media standpoint but like community wise there really isn't you know it used to be like online forums right like I actually considered creating an aerobatic forum um a long time ago and right. it's just going to yeah. be like you know aerobaticpilots.com or something right like whereas you don't really see those forums anymore and it's it's <laughs> kind of all transferred to Facebook groups and, and things like that. And I wonder what's going to be next after that. Cause you're right. You know, Facebook is kind of an aging platform. Like what's going to be the next community community builder. Um, and that seems to be something that 
I think a lot of people um, not yearn for, but de- certainly are are seeking, right? Like if, if you don't feel like a part of the community, you really feel like you're isolated. Right. Yeah. And, and right now I think Facebook's still the, the platform to do it. I, I just know that, you know, there's already enough memes out there like, that's our parents thing. <laughs> it's like, uh, really? Come on. I think all of us are pretty close to the same demographic. I might be the old one here, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's one of those things, but there isn't another another really good system that's taking over that develops the community thing. Because like I said, the Instagram's great for impressions or I don't know, whatever the, the commercial word for, you know, getting those, the, the image out is, but uh, yeah, yeah, but yeah, it doesn't build the community the same way as, is you know, having that discussion and, and that feedback and being able to track it and see it. Cause a lot of that stuff, you know, between Snapchat and TikTok and stuff, it gets buried so fast that it's not something you can come back to and see, you know, how, how did it develop? What did it turn into? Um, well, the, so, the exploder yeah. is a perfect example of that. Because somebody will ask something like, there's been like an insurance discussion going on for nine freaking days about insurance. <laughs> Ever and since it's a conversation that extra that- was for sale, you have been on a total hate trip on the Exploder. <laughs> Ever <laughs> since you got called out by Jorge, you've just been hating on the Exploder. <laughs> it's, in my hey, opinion, I, 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 it, it fits. I, I know it fits as a demographic. Um in my opinion, it's an extremely crude way to communicate. I think it's, I think email in general is a horrific way to communicate. It's so wish, slow. It's so I time wish that somebody was smart enough out there to troll you on the Exploder and just like, just aggravate you every day. Just po- like asking stupid <laughs> questions. It goes <laughs> into my spam show. folder. Does it really? It, goes in, it already goes in. Yeah. I have to like go look in my spam folder. Like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Like there's, there's 29 emails about insurance. Let me go through 29 emails about insurance. That, that know, discussion like, has evolved a, pretty excitingly. It turned into its own discussion, finally getting off of the, it turned from insurance into, uh, to Jan. And unless I look it up immediately, I, I should know the name, um, <laughs> doing, uh, the Zergo. I, I can't remember what they are calling it. Oh yeah. The, um, like Zerobatic, a pinwheel hammerhead. Uh, yeah. Almost a double hammer. Yeah. But they're saying it's a little is different enough. It's almost more like a pinwheel, but who who knows? I know uh I think Bourbon's working on that or something with the uh, Yak 110. That'd be cool. But yeah, there's cool. yeah, that that discussion really deviated from in insurance with an honest question and it got kind of weird. But the discussion's interesting. But yeah, it's an interesting platform. You just kind of keep getting spammed by this random message every once in a while. Dude, it's gonna well, be it's a- nice to have a centralized location for it too. You know, it's like because so much info gets lost in that regard. You know, it's like, okay, well, if I, if I three days later, come back to my email, which most people don't now, everything's pretty instant, you know, on your phone or your computer. But you know, for somebody that just checks emails and like three days later, like okay, I have 26 emails. Am I going to really read through this when it, I, it may not pertain to me. And then you might let, you might yeah. miss some good info. Cause you know, insurance especially is one of those things. Um, I think we're all, we're all concerned about insurance and, and underwriters and premiums and all that kind of stuff. So, you know, I don't know. I, I, I just think it's a weird, I think an email chain is extremely. Um, it's, yeah, it's old. starting to get a little dated and, and some of the email systems have tried to kind of like put those together and, and signs still with stuff getting buried where it's like, here's 26 messages buried in this one tab. I'm like, okay, I guess. Yeah. Um, okay. But, uh, but yeah, it's, <laughs> it's, it's a different system. So I don't know what, what the next thing will be if someone could figure out how to simplify something, but still build a community. And, and so, yeah, I know. You know, like I said, fa- I think we fa- should just go back to regular mail, like postage stamp and everything. You want to start MySpace, don't you? 
<laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I miss Tom as a friend. Oh, Tom. So oh, what about Tom. the uh, the students? So if they make the aerobatic team, is there do they have to pay dues? Does it co- like what do they? What does this cost to the student? Yeah, so um, we're actually extremely fortunate that we have a lot of support from the university. Uh, we, we've got and had a really strong NIFA flying team. The um, those are the ones who do the spot landings and aircraft recognition and E six B calculations and and the simulation type stuff. And the, uh, back in I'm gonna mess up the year, but late sixties, early seventies. That's kind of what helped kick the school off was uh, you know the, the flying team type club. So they have a ton of support. And with that, I was like, well, or um, there's a, a couple other instructors and um, fl- uh, flight managers and a, a faculty member that helped start get things started when uh, the IC started a collegiate program. I think in 2001 it was announced, and then they our our program kind of like okay, let's see w- what this is about and if we can get into it. Um, we asked them for just just a little bit of support, if we get a little bit of travel funds or something to help out. And as the program got more successful, then they're like, all right, this this is cool. Yeah, we can help support this. So the students, they'll have to go through their class, pay for all that. Um, and then before I, I fully select the team, I get them on a list where uh, they can practice uh, with the aircraft and, and an instructor. So it'll be myself or one of my other coaches. And uh, and we volunteer our time. So we're trying to save them the, the instructor fee. So it saves them a little bit of cash that way. And we'll get them trained up with some individual practices, and I do some team practices. It's more of a, a competition setting. I've got an aerobatic box at a local airport that's um, wavered, so I can put up a notum. Uh, being primary in sportsman, you're technically above all the FA limitations for aerobatics anyway, as long as the airspace works out. But I, I, I cleared one out, so that way I can notum it and tell everyone else to get out of here, or at least when I yell at people over the radio and say, there's a notum. Like, oh, right, yeah, those things. Um so here Same you are tra- training all yeah. these students. You're training all these students yep. on your own time, not getting paid, and then getting called out for doing something with it. <laughs> I can't believe this. Well, shit. people don't know the background <laughs> stuff, and that, that that's okay. And and I and I think uh, you know we can talk about getting called out a little bit later, more more specifically. But but yeah, we uh, you know me and my instructor get um, or a couple of the instructors will will train the students up, and then we'll go do kind of a team selection practice, kind of get them in that competition thing. My goal is always to get more people into it, so I I try to take as many as I can, but I do have a limit with budget and everything else. So then, getting to the contest and and the contest fees, um, you know, for a long time our, our students were paying the contest fees, and then I managed to get our budget expanded just enough that I could kind of cover those wow. as well. That's so, awesome. So it's it's probably the you know, the cheapest way that someone can get aerobatic training and get into it. Our, our course is only, it's like a seven hour course. Um, we used to have it at 10, but people would either do one of two things. They either fly a ton and try to incomplete the last lesson so they could keep doing it or, and then not get a grade or, or whatever. So we got set up where it's like, no, seven hours. And if you want to do more, you can do more and I'll, you know, come figure stuff out with the team and we'll help you out. Um, That's so awesome. the goal's always been, yeah, see how many we can get uh, into aerobatics. Cause I think, on its own, it's a valuable experience and it's a valuable skill set. Uh, just and the industry loves it as long as you frame it correctly. You know, if it, you're going to get, a, if you put it on your resume that you've got aerobatic training, you're going to get asked about it, especially if you're part of an aerobatic team. They're like, okay, well, what does this involve? And so, you know, the, the two impressions are either you're a crazy daredevil and I don't want you touching my machine because I don't know what you're going to do to it. Or, um, you know, in the last decade or two, all the major major loss of life incidents with 
you know, major airlines and stuff have usually been from loss of control. And they'll be like, all right, cool. Explain, explain this. And they're like, all right, well, I want to know how to handle an aircraft in all situations. I'm not going to take a Cessna and do something really dumb with it. But you know, if we get turned around due to mountain wave or wake turbulence or you name it, I'm, you know, getting to 80 degrees isn't going to make me upset. We'll just fix it. <laughs> and I've had a number yeah. of people get positions because of their aerobatic background where or my, my students have even mentioned that they're like, yeah, I'm pretty sure that, you know, having this on my resume, um, help things out. And a few of them, you know, hush, hush on the DL when they're doing their SIM training and stuff, they'll, they'll be doing their last ILS and like, we have to do an unusual attitude. Like, okay. <laughs> it's like, if you can roll it on the ILS, I'll turn it off. So if it gets weird, it doesn't, you know, the motion doesn't, you know, bottom anything out, but unless you roll it on the ILS, okay. <laughs> it's like, cool. You're good here. You're signed off for your type rating now. <laughs> That's cool. Um, you know, in the, in the simulator. Yeah, the industry course. is really pivoted in that regard over the last, uh, like I've been, I've been a professional pilot a little over 10 years, uh, over 11 years now. Um, and it was, it's really interesting to watch the industry shift. Uh, the way that we do stalls in the sim, the way that we teach stall recovery. And now uh, we're in this upset recovery, loss of control um, kind of phase or hot topic uh, over the last couple of years. All the airlines, um, my airline was the first uh, to get their Airbus sim uh, certified for high altitude stalls and upsets. And it's been really fun to to, um, to watch that program emerge. And that's that's a huge, huge element now. Uh, Cause you're totally right. I mean, it's all, it's it, vast majority. I would say like uh, probably 90% close to 90% are loss of control incidents. Yeah. All, all the, you know, the things that make the news and then there's a bunch of stuff that doesn't make the news of, you know, different upsets and stuff that happen at altitude where things get goofy or the speed slows down and they forget there's no power up there. So, um, you know, we can go in the aerodynamics on it all day, but the idea being that, Hey, I've got more awareness in all attitudes and it's not going to concern me. I'm, I'm going to control the aircraft, control it safely and do what we need to do and figure out based on the training that the airline's going to provide as well. Okay. Where are the limits on the aircraft? What are the, uh, you know, what's the computer going to do to limit things or allow things or whatever it is. Cause there, there's a lot of different augmentation systems that are there to help out or, or prevent stuff. But, um, you know, what's going to make it work. And so a lot of people really do like seeing Hey, I've got some upset recovery training. I've got some aerobatic training. And that's how our course is set up is we start with upset recovery and then we go to aerobatics. Cause I've, I've seen a couple articles on IC and I totally agree with them that those two avenues are, are, and can be completely different. I think they help each other out. I mean, if you can do a basic aileron rule, you know, I joke the Bob Hoover style where it's, you know, one G recovery, you know, you just keep everything positive. Um, then that's kind of the, the key to upset recovery. And then that's also the gateway drug to getting into more advanced aerobatics and getting things done right. Couldn't agree more. Couldn't agree more. Um, you know, we were talked, we, we kind of touched on it a little early on, obviously uh, we want to get into you, uh, your late, your last contest and fine advanced, um, sure. <laughs> you know, talking about the element of unsafe, um, you know, unsafe aircraft practices and, and pushing limits. We've seen a couple of these and I, I don't think we can talk about them publicly, but, uh, Jeff will know what I'm talking about. You may as well, but you know, when we push, we obviously have physical limitations. We have aircraft limitations and things like that. And sometimes the marriage of physical meaning the pilot, uh, and these mechanical limitations, meaning the airplane, uh, sometimes go awry as well. You know, we've had some, some kind of close, a couple close calls in, in cockpits lately where 
uh, not a, a physical limit wasn't really breached or a mechanical limit wasn't really breached, but um, an incident has happened in the cockpit that has, you know, caused some high level competitors. Um, well, I'll just say there, you know, there's a couple people very, I know this is super vague. I just don't, I don't want to talk about it publicly yet before it becomes public, but very lucky well, pilots. Cool, but, yeah. Um, there, there, there's things that'll happen where, um, yeah, between, you know, push pull effect or, you know, we're sitting on the line this year has been particularly rough with the, uh, you know, up North we got a drought, but I know in, in most of the country there's you know been high temperatures and things where, you know, okay, I'm dehydrated and you might not be pushing yourself to what your normal limits are, but you know, suddenly that day you know, things get darker than you want it to. Um, yeah. you know, reaching your own physiological limits or, or the aircraft and, and yeah, there's, there's a lot of stuff out there that one has to be vigilant for as they're going into this stuff. Yeah. And I, do you think there's more of an awareness, um, on especially, um, uh, personal fitness and, and physical, uh, abilities and, and kind of met maybe mental too, but, uh, just more, uh, you know, physical states than there were in years past. Is that, is that something that people are becoming more aware of? Do you think? I think so. At least it's, it's being talked about a lot more in terms of, you know, keeping their, their own physical health up or, you know, is cardio over strength training or what kind of balance do you take or those types of things, um, are, are all, I think a lot more discussed than they, they used to be. I know in past there'd been tech tips on, you know, flight physiology, uh, in the, the older IC, um, magazines, but, uh, every couple of years. And, and certainly I think it's in the, uh, usually midwinter or something, they have the safety issue. Um, those I think have been taking a lot more prevalence. And I think the last couple of issues have had something about, you know, either the physiology of it or here's how you should train or here's foods and things that can help you maintain hydration or whatever. You know, I've seen a lot more tips come out in the last couple of years, I think, than I have in the past before. Um, yeah. So I certainly think it's coming more to the, the, the forefront. And I know especially when it starts coming to some of the unlimited stuff with the the pushes and the pulls and, and you know, we're, we've got aircraft now that can definitely hurt you more than you can hurt them. Um, Decathlon is not one of those, but you know, when we start talking about the extra SC and, and the NG and, and a few of the, those other ones, uh, you know, I, I'm always looking at, yeah, I want a new toy, but I want something safe for my students. And so I'd love to get them something that's stepped up. But the concern there is, is yeah, with something like an NG or a game bird or something like that, you have the real possibility of, you know, if you do something that your student's not expecting, you, you could hurt them or they could hurt you if they're going to yank on it and you're not guarding it properly with the higher performance type two seat stuff. So have you ever had an issue with some of the students meaning, you know, at a contest or even, you know, back at the university where you kind of, they wanted to go flying, but you basically had to tell them, uh, today's not the day. I think you, I think we're going to stay on the ground. Just maybe they just didn't look hydrated or, or I don't know. Yeah. Usually, um, you know, we, we, we have a pretty robust, well, it's pretty robust. I think we have an excellent safety system in play that we've got. And so most of the time when it comes to aerobatics, it, it's a, um, a lot lower. It seems kind of weird saying it because it, it's a, you know, technically considered a higher risk activity, but when you're up at, you know, 3000, 4000 AGL, the, you know, the, the riskier part is landing. Um, but I was going to say, yeah. it's not a... It's such uh, a calculated risk at that point. Yeah, it's such a calculated... But it, it's not a high... Um, oh, and I lost the word for it. I apologize. Uh, in flight training, they're trying to do things as efficiently as possible. There's always a goal for the flight. There's always um, 
you know, they're working towards a stage check. They're working for an endorsement. They're working for a, a check ride or, you know, get, getting their next rating, whatever it is. And yeah, no junk um, line. Yeah. And, and with aerobatics, we, I've got lessons, we've got goals, but it, it, it's more of like game theory for learning. We're going to go play in the airplane a little bit and we've got some things and we're going to have you accomplish and, and based on your skill or where you want to take it, it, it's a much more fluid course. So if I have a student that's like, I, I do not want to do competition, like, cool, we can fly recreational aerobatics. You know, I'll teach you that how to sort it out. Oh, gosh, it comes back to David's memes. But anyway, you know, <laughs> you want to take yours, it could be another on a loop, you know. <laughs> um, but uh, how often do you find what, what do you, how, how do you, is there, is that a measurable percentage of somebody that's, you know, I'm sure you probably get people that, that are obviously they try it once and they're like, you know what, tried it, got the t shirt, uh, I'm done. I'm good. Um, but the usually people that are like, sign- you know what, I, no, I'm okay. sorry, go ahead. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Usually if um, they sign up for the course, they're a, a little more committed than the the one and done. I have had a few that are, are nervous about it and they're like, hey, um, is there a way I can just get an intro flight? Because I don't know if I want to commit to a full course of this stuff. And I'm like, yeah, sure. Um, I, I usually have, you know, most are doing it for safety because of the popularity of the aerobatic team. I do have probably 50% of the class. It's like, I saw the team. I saw the videos you guys got. That's what I want to do. I've been dreaming about this for the last four years. It's like, okay, let's see what we can do. Um, so I, I get a good mix of, of both going for safety. Usually by the time they're in my course, they're, they're fairly committed. Uh, but the, the flight lessons themselves, um, because they're less jeopardy on their training record or, you know, Airbags comes with a cost. They tend to be more willing that if they're not feeling good, they're just going to call me up and tell me I'm not feeling it today. So I haven't had to step in and say, you're, you're on the ground today. Um, you're not flying. I have had some try to push it for different things and say, you know, I've asked like, how much sleep did you get? It's like, oh, enough. I'm like, mm, okay. And after about <laughs> five minutes of flying, being <laughs> like, uh, you're enough was, may have worked in another industry, but it was definitely not good enough for right now. We're going to land. It's like, that's a good idea. Um, but that, that, that's very, very few and far between. Like I've only had to do that, I think like once. Um, and, and physiologically wise, you know, some students will get a little bit of air sick or motion sick. Um, I, I, I doing, you know, we're, we're doing these flights like, you know, 0.7, 0.8 at a time. So I've got quite a few students and spins up. Um, but I, I don't think I haven't had that many actually get physically ill in the aircraft. I've had a few tell me got ill afterwards, which is kind of fun. Um, <laughs> like two hours later, I was sitting down and just like all of a sudden everything was spinning. Like, did you put your foot down? <laughs> <It's> like, uh, <laughs> bed spins post acro. That's exciting. Um, but uh, but that's not particularly common. It's it's just on occasion. Feeling a little weird after that first flight when you're not sure entirely what to expect is fairly common. But then they they usually acclimate pretty good. I have some that won't at all and just like, hey, I I don't want to go hardcore on this. It's like, well, that's fine. We'll do a couple yeah. rolls to get your upset recovery and a couple spins, and we can work on tailwheel ops or something different that uh, can kind of fulfill our our goals for safety and and getting you some experience. So, is there a big rivalry, right? Because I never really paid attention to it or or got you know, um, involved, you know, physically at, um, at nationals to see it between UND and, um, was it Colorado? It's a MSU, it's Metropolitan State University Denver. out of Denver. Yep. 
So, so yeah. does everybody get along or is there like, do you guys try to like play fight a little bit? Um, what's the- <laughs> it, it's a little bit <laughs> of both. Like- you know, we, we kind of play fight, but everyone gets along. Um, I, I've been thinking, I, I have to order it yet, but uh, we usually run into each other at Seaward. Uh, sometimes they'll make it out that way. Every once in a while, we'll try to make the Lamar contest. It just kind of depends on what the budget and weather and, and aircraft availability is doing. Yeah. Um, because that, that's some of the tricky part is is uh, this is definitely an extracurricular and they, they like having machines uh, available to do training in because we do a ton of training in these things. Yeah. Um, but uh, but yeah, we <laughs> you know they, I know everyone's gone out. I think last nationals everyone out and did uh, axe the axe throwing stuff oh, t- cool. together <laughs> the, the one night. And if if you've met Dagmar or talked with Dagmar, you know she's awesome. So yeah. So so we kind of have a it's like a joking rivalry. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Might have to post some stuff. I mean, you and Dagmar couldn't be nicer people, but, (laughs) but yeah, we, we try to help each other out where we can and and do things like that. So there's certainly a rivalry because, you know, there's there's pride in our our work in our college and stuff, but, uh, I think um, we need to feed that fire. We we could feed. Well, (laughs) I'm working on getting a word, you know, cause I, I do need to to send her back the traveling trophy. I've, I've had it sit. Well, COVID kind of goofed up and, and it's giant. I'm not sure if it's actually supposed to be the one at Oshkosh, but I ended up with it. And it's this giant thing that costs probably more than it does to build it to ship. And it's just like, it's yeah. Um, so I've been loath to send that one. Sorry, Dagmar. But, but I was thinking at Seaward, what, what I need to get is I need to get like one of those, like, uh, you know, like those hatchets that you can get engraved for weddings or whatever is groomsman gifts and, and put like, you know, just to bury the hatchet yeah. award. And then we can take little notches out of the back for whoever wins it and just pass it back and forth between contests and stuff. Are those, That'd so cool. are those the, the only, not, I don't want to say only, but, um, so basically UND and, um, MSU are the, the, the MSU. two main. Yep. And, and then we've got. Uh, yeah. Riddle's no the, more, right? Yeah. We've got the Air Force Academy and and Riddle does it through their Eagle Sport. Um, yeah, it's not really Riddle. Yeah. They, they get kind of weird about that one because Riddle kind of divorced themselves from aerobatics after they had that incident uh, a decade or two ago. Um, Do you know what happened with MSU? Uh, because MSU had the two like UPS Brown extras and they got sold to actually to a friend. Um. Oh no! Was they got sold M- to somebody, and then well, that, that wasn't MSU. That that was Western Michigan, right? Sorry, yeah, Western Michigan. Yeah. And um, what? I mean, do you know what happened? Why they? Well, did they get the Cathalons or? They, they do the have decathlons. Yep. So they've actually got a, a, I think they got extreme decathlons, or they got what I dubbed the super duper D, which is the super decathlon with extreme wings. Ooh. Um. And so they've got a few of those. So I've, I've talked to them a little bit about getting into it and they, they have some students that are interested uh, every once in a while or an instructor will get interested and then they move on and it kind of loses momentum and, and things like that. It's really tough to find somebody that's just going to kind of plant there and, and stay keeping the program going. Right. Um, How far away is that from yeah. you? Uh, it's, it's a little bit of a ways. Um, yeah. It's not super far. Uh, it's about... Let's see if Chicago, I'm trying to think of driving time. I can't it's I don't be remember 10, what 12 hours mileage. at least. Yeah. It's not something like 12 to 15. Uh, for me yeah. to drive to Detroit, it's around That's not close. 19. And, and Cause that would be really fun to watch a bunch of college universities duking it out. Cause sportsman <laughs> is such a tough category to win at. The scores are always really, really tight. Oh, um, yeah. And that would just be fun. Cause you know, it's exciting to see new talent, you know, getting involved in the sport and excitement, you know, obviously reminds us of when we've all first got into it. Um, and 
I would find it really, uh, really fun. I hope we can try to wrangle up another university. I know. Yeah, be good to get more schools involved. I know there's a lot that have decathlons around. Um, Really? Do you know any others offhand? Uh, well, I, I know Embry-Riddle does have decathlons on their fleet. Uh, Western has decathlons. Um, I'm trying to think trying of, to think I don't know them. if SIU or Purdue or any Doesn't of those. Ohio have one? Ohio University, I thought. Had Ohio one. State. Yeah, one of those. I'm, I, probably. A lot of them will do an upset section or an upset course or they'll use them for spin training. They get really then, nervous um, about saying aerobatics, but they'll do tailwheel training, which is yeah. for that aircraft is actually the more dangerous. The landing is the most dangerous part of that whole flight. Uh, maneuvering yeah. within the envelope is not a big deal. Um, MP MP University has a midwing extra. They're sending kids to the uh, nationals, I think. Oh, that'd be cool. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there you go, Pollard. <laughs> now you're wrangled in. Now you have to make it because we have to. I wonder there if Patty. Yeah. I wonder if Patty would um would do something with her students. Maybe like try to monetize it to get on her flight team. I'm not talking about you know overcharging, but just charging a a, a fair price and be part of the whatever her school name is, Patty Wakes F, whatever. Uh, what is it? Par- Patty Wakes F aerobatic construction or something like that. And they called an aerobatic team and then Glass. she could bring. Yeah. And then she could bring that team to nationals. That'd be cool. Yeah. I don't know that she does aerobatic training in, in that regime. Right. I mean, like, does she teach competition aerobatics? I know she does aerobatic courses and stuff, but I kind of assume I that think, was more of a, on the recreational side. I, I know she can do competition. I, I don't know how many. Oh, yeah. it, it really depends on you know what what the students want because I I have yeah. that. I wouldn't even call it an issue, but I have that same thing with with mine. Is is not all of them are going to want to do competition. That's totally fine. Yeah, and then yeah. And then like you've talked about with uh, with um, Mike Goulian and and Rob Holland, it's like yeah, if they want to do air shows, we highly recommend they do competition first because they get the right mindset and you've got you know people actually looking at your flying. Yeah. Um, that was one of the most fun offline conversations or, or enlightening offline conversations too. Is, um, you know, not, they didn't say anything disparaging. Um, I'll, I'll make that disclaimer, but, <laughs> um, <laughs> when you get some, when it's really refreshing to hear honest, an honest assumption or opinion about a question you ask, uh, because a lot of times you don't, you know, there's so much, there's just, there's so much politics in, in this sport, yeah. you know, where it's gotta uh, be like really frustrating. Like that, you know? It's gotta be frustrating from, from their end. Maybe not, but you know, Mike and Rob and Chapman and going on, you know, they, they put so much time into honing the craft and, and competition, I think is where you get, a, you know, it's got a great structure to, to keep you safe. And now they're at air yeah. shows and just seeing some, some guys just come along who, you know, whether they're a dentist during the day or something and want to fly air shows in front of their home, whatever, or just a, a ego trip or whatever. So it's like, ah, uh, it's gotta be kind of frustrating to them because, you know, they put so much work into it and it shows too. I mean, they're still incredible, but, oh yeah. But know. yeah, it's, it's just, yeah. The difference between, you know, flopping around or, or whatever it is and you get all a huge gamut of different skill sets and, I know when we were doing worlds, uh, you know, Aaron and I were looking at uh, updating our air show waiver. Cause he's like, I want to do a couple for the local people to help fund it and support me and stuff like that. And so he, he talked with a couple aces and, and, and a few of them were like super gung ho, like you got to dump everything and you got to go like full force into this. And, you know, I've had others too. It's like, well, I don't know your background. Like, I'm not going to give you a waiver or anything. I'm like, well, that's, that's fine. I understand that. You know, I can yeah. give you my resume and stuff. That it's program not- is it's not like it's my first rodeo. Yeah. Like yeah. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, that 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 the ACE program is is really funky. Um, I Bill, we're gonna. I, I've talked to Bill Stein about getting him on the podcast, um, and that's I, I've got some very specific ACE questions uh, <laughs> for him because that's a that's a very political world in and of itself. And and the, yeah, you have these varying opinions of, and and it's not that they're necessarily wrong, um, but it's certainly a discouraging element to, you know, bridging the gap between uh, competitions and air shows because it's like. You know, a, a lot of these guys, you know, um, I think Matt Chapman's one of them. Um, uh, Mike Goulian was certainly one of them. Are these people that like, hey, I can I can like do some air shows, make money so I can go compete. <laughs> right. So, yeah, it's, so you know, it's like, yeah, I become a great competition pilot. Uh, I have all the skills. I want to do air shows so I can pay for the competition. Um, and then to have somebody say, well, if you're not going to be a full time guy, we, we don't need another like half ass air show pilot. And it's like, well, hold on. Let's get some context here, you know? Yep. Yeah. And then and that's the context part of some of the politics is, is like, I, I know we're, you know, we're, we're all part of the same airbag community, which is super small as it is. Aviation is not that big. And then airbags is even no. a smaller subset, but, but there is a big difference between, you know, the, their show group and the competition group don't always meld all that well or know each other, which is, is fine. I'm not going to know everybody myself and I don't expect to, um, but, or expect people to know me. It's just like, okay, that's fine. Um, but yeah, yeah. Every once in a while, you'll you'll have somebody like you know Aaron McCartan that you know commits a ton of time to his craft and hones it, and you got something like, well, you don't commit enough time if you're going to do air shows. Like, I think you're going to be unsafe. It's like the dude's competing at 300 feet. I, I think. Yeah, yeah. I think. We're yeah, and okay. then you look at some of the people that have air show waivers, and you're just like, how in the hell? Who who did you get? Who did you bribe to sign you off? Yeah. And so, you know, there, there's a, just a wide variety of skill and a wide variety of people wanting to make different types of commitments. And, and I can understand, you know, the, the, the latest push that if we're going to increase safety, yes, you want somebody who's committed to the craft. And so they, they come into that yeah. look a little bit hesitantly, maybe not understanding the competition background that we may or, you know, depending on what the applicant has and, and things. So it, it just gets, like you said, there's a little bit of politics that goes into it and it gets kind of goofy, but I think a mentoring program would be really cool, you know, to, to, yeah, that would be good. I mean, and I know these guys do like, you know, I'm sure, it, you know, uh, a Rob Holland and a Michael Goulin and a Matt Chapman and, and, uh, whoever else there, I'm sure their phone would, would always be on, you know, and, and it was super humbling to hear, you know, Rob, you know, Rob, uh, make the comment about how he would go up to Mike Goulin and be like, you know, did you see anything even at his level? Did you see anything that, that, gave you the, you know, the shivers or whatever, you know, I forgot exactly what he said, but it's like to have that mentality for somebody like that, you know, everybody else should have that mentality. <laughs> right. Just, yeah. yeah. I mean, that, that's the key. It, it's know? like, did, yeah. Did anything make you nervous? Did everything look okay? It's like, yep. Okay, cool. Okay. I'll, I'll keep doing it. I'll keep evaluating myself. And, and that that's kind of the only way to get better is, is to seek out that. Um, cause I know a, yeah. a lot, well, you know, especially as you start getting ace, some of that process, it's that yeah. ACE program. You know the ace uh, is very gatekeepy, right? And and so with with them kind of holding the keys to uh, um, who, to allow whoever they want in or or not. Um, you know, hopefully there's plenty of people out there that are willing to kind of mentor and coach along the way, and because um, it shouldn't just be a even you know even for Aaron, like you know if the if the ace doesn't know uh, Aaron, it's like okay, well you know let's, let's sit down and talk. Let's let's look yeah. at your you know. Let's, and I, and let's, I think, I think most are willing to mentor. Bit. I know I talked with a few that are like, yeah, so let's, uh, you know, send me a sequence. Um, I'm super excited to see some younger people try to get into this thing. You know, like, yes, send me your stuff. We'll talk about it and whatever. And then, you know, get a weekend or a week and we'll come and do stuff. I'm like, that sounds awesome. It's hard to get a week off in an airplane, but 
Um, yeah. but I, I think, I think it exists. It's just, you know, sometimes the communication or, or taking the time and, you know, different personalities are going to approach it a little bit differently because, uh, you know, with the gatekeeper part, they, they are trying to keep out people who just want to, it's like, well, I tried aerobatics and I want to flop around. I found out that if I, I, people pay for me and cheer me, if I cheer me on, if I just go do some stuff, I get this signed off versus yeah. someone who that's fair. You know, has it has a different thing so i think that's fair and coming from the competition yeah. side and, and your own side with a lot of background in it it's uh it, it, it's it's like we're trying to come in a different door and they don't know that that door exists <laughs> it's yeah. yeah it's just a, a little yeah, bit yeah well, well and even like you know most of them have an iac or a competition background so obviously having somebody come in that's a high level competitor would that that you know that should lend itself a some you know, credit or something. Absolutely. And and I think it does. I think I I absolutely think it does. I mean, it should, if it doesn't, it should, if you're an ace and it doesn't fix yourself. Um, (laughs) cause it should, Uh, cause I think, I think everybody would agree that, um, the highest level air show pilots have a competition background. The safest air show pilots, um, have, haven't, um, a competition pedigree, you know, and it, it, nobody's going to, nobody's going to make the argument that the IAC or competition breeds unsafe pilots. Whereas uh, we've seen plenty of unsafe airshow performers, and and I think the ace, you know, not to divulge too much from this because none of us are airshow pilots, but like <laughs> um, we've all we've we've seen cards get pulled, you know, people get grounded, uh, people get pulled to the side, you know, I've heard tons of stories like that. So it, it you know, they have a big responsibility of who they're going to let into the fraternity, so to speak. So right. you know, yeah, I don't so it, it, it's 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 a tough job. It's, it's tough. Not, yeah, yeah, it's not an easy one. And I, I've, you know, I've talked with a few that were, you know, getting out of the system and they're like, you know, it, it, it's tough. And, and, you know, I've, you know, they, they've seen a lot of things happen to a lot of their friends. They're like, I, yeah. So it's a tough nut to crack because there, there's a big balance that they've got to, you know, fine line they got to walk to make all that work. Yeah. Agreed. Do you yeah. find that a lot of the students that you have uh, on a team, are they following somebody unlimited competitor? Like any, I don't want to call it heroes and, and be corny, but do they, do they have like favorites or people? They, I'm just curious, like what the, uh, the vibe is in the hangar with, with all these college students that are just going to the Cathlon flyer backs and go back to the dorm and, and focus on homework and all the shit, or are they kind of following the sport and a little bit of the, the close history and, and things like that? Yeah. For, for a lot of them, it's, it's, you know, a, a new world and a new, uh, new connection that they have, um, you know, with a lot of collegiate sports and stuff, you're, you're making networking connections with, uh, colleagues and, and people kind of at the same level as you just getting into things. And they could be your boss, they could be your employee in the future or something like that. But going to an aerobatic competition, you're, you're connecting with a lot of extremely successful people because, you know, having a $300,000 toy to do one job, um, means you've had to have done something right at some point typically. Yeah. Right. Um, so it gives them a lot of really good networking opportunities and, and they, they do tend to follow, um, you know, a couple of the air show pilots, you know, Rob, uh, Mike Ulian, uh, Sean Tucker. Um, I, I think getting more of a personal connection from some of the stuff that we can discuss in, in class about, you know, like my connection with Aaron and yourself, Jeff and, and Mark. And I, I think a lot of them have been following online with the, the airbags Facebook page and, and, oh, the memes cool. and everything that go around. So. They're, what happened with that pit viper thing? Oh, the pit yes. viper thing. Yes, wanted to wanted to bring that up. Yes, so Can you tell me because I heard bits and pieces. I need to hear the full story. <laughs> so, so the, the the full story is uh, one one of my students, Andrew, is is like the um, 
the epitome of pit viperness. He's got the pit vipers. He's got the long hair. He's got the look. And so he had them. So, uh, yeah, literally, I think less than an hour, we I, we stopped at Watertown because we always seem to get stuck at Watertown going to Seward. And Seward, one, yeah. one of you guys <laughs> took the picture within like 20 minutes and turned it into a meme. And we're like, you know what? Let's I roll with this. <laughs> Why? Well, I, I figured it was you. It was okay. I was like, awesome. Yeah. Let's roll with this. So so then we started getting like hero shots of the, of the guy and, and some other stuff wearing the pit vipes. And then I'd, I'd purposely tag you and, and Alon in it. So I'm like, come on, buddy. I thought you were like selling pit vipes. <laughs> and uh, so I'd, I'd harass him with it too. Um, and then one of my other students is like, you know what? We, we should actually send this to Pit Viper. I'm like, okay. Um, I think they're currently conspiring to find a VHS recorder because I think they only look at promos if they're done on VHS. Uh, but one of my oh students my actually contacted him. And they're like, you know what? Yeah, this is awesome. What, whatever. So they, they sent... A, a case of pit vipers. So we ended up with like 12 sunglasses. Um, and, and we got that right before we left to go to uh, Spencer. So one of my, my captain on, on the team and, and myself, we were talking, I was like, okay, uh, the guy that did it, he gets to keep a couple extra pairs, like whatever, that was awesome. Um, and then we're going to bring this case and we're going to surprise the team with them. And then we have to get, you know, the stereotypical and, shot of everybody in vipers. <laughs> uh, and it's so awesome. I, I haven't posted a lot since that contest. I was, I, you know, I have permissions granted to a few of my students that have a much better camera and phone than I do. So I'm like, you guys, I mean, even one of them had a, a DSLR and, and they're like, you know what? Um, Michaela's iPhone is taking better pictures. Just use her iPhone. I'm like, okay, cool. So I have to have her and, and Jonathan start posting pictures, but it's right. It, we're right before the beginning of the semester. So everyone's kind of running around with their hair on fire, trying to figure out how they're going to do their next classes and finish up flight courses and get in the next flight course and get everything all set. Uh, but yeah, I need to post some, some more random promo goofy things for the team just because it was, it was awesome. We weren't yeah. expecting Is it. it like, are, you, right, have you, are you not posting? Are you not posting? Oh, Cause it, you're laying low. You're kind of in hiding. Because of all the, <laughs> all the just. I was gonna let them do it. I was gonna let, let the other stuff, yeah, pass over. But yeah, Mike's in witness protection. <laughs> He's in witness aerobatic protection right now. His location is <laughs> aerobatic protection. <laughs> He's with my cousin. He's with my cousin Vidi playing some baseball and stealing some arugula. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to switch my Oakleys to my to pit vipers just to kind of try to hide. Trying um, to blend in. <laughs> Mike, Mike is Mike is currently running a pet store. Um, <laughs> full hiding. <laughs> He told me he ordered some spaghetti, uh, you know, and it was just uh, ketchup instead of marinara sauce, you know. Yeah, no, totally. A good fellow's reference. That's a poor good fellow's reference for everybody out there. There we go. <laughs> yeah, that was. But yeah, was no, I, I was, yeah, I was just kind of laying low a little bit because, like I said, I wasn't expecting the uh, the attention that flying uh, advance got. But um, but you know, if it gets people talking about aerobatics and and thinking about what they can and can't do in the aircraft and and what can be done safely, then. I think it's a good discussion yeah. to have. So I'm like, yeah, roll with it. So I've been personally enjoying the memes. I think they're hilarious. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's great. I think um, I think everybody's entitled to a personal opinion. And and I happen to, you know, you got to be objective to it. So you can definitely learn. And and people brought up some really good points that um, I don't think they were true because I think you're well within the uh, or you're within the operating limitations. But to me, when I first heard that you were doing it, and, and you had flown the sequence, which I had no doubt you'd be able to do. And I, you know, it's not like you were diving in at 250 and, and trying to do an advanced sequence without a break. Like everybody knew you're going to fly 
you know, maneuvering speed, take a break or two or three or four. And it, to me, it was inspired. I think it was inspiring or to other pilots to, to see you do that and to see what a decathlon can do. And, you know, nobody's going to go take their decathlon and try to do a three quarter snap on a downline. Um, but, you know, I thought it was really, really neat. And I think it was, uh, it's, it was really refreshing and something new for people to talk about and see. And I don't know, it was cool. So I, I think it was a, a positive impact on a lot of people in the sportsman and primary and getting into aerobatic group of group of things. And, and it made the decathlon look more than a sportsman airplane, which, you know, it, it's, how would you describe it with that? I mean, obviously it's a sportsman airplane. I wouldn't yeah, consider it's, it. It's, it, it's, it's, it's home is in primary and sportsman. Um, mm-hmm. uh, a long time ago, I'd start flying intermediate with it just so I, like I felt it was unfair because, you know, at a contest you're competing against everybody. And so I like talking up my students and say, you know, when they come home with an award and a top three finish, it, it's, it's against, you know, like other professional pilots. You know, my, my guys might not have their tailwheel endorsement yet. I, I'm sitting in the yeah. back or I have another pilot sitting in the back with them to be a safety pilot because it loops back <laughs> full circle back to that insurance post. Um, you know, making, <laughs> no one's going to give a, a kid with less than 200 hours and all of, you know, 10 hours of dual and a tailwheel, uh, insurance on a decathlon to go do contests. But if I'm in the back yeah. then I can do that. And I had so many hours in the airplane. So our students are competing against, you know, airshow pilots, uh, former military, active military, corporate airline engineers, uh, mm-hmm. computer programmers, HR specialists. I mean, like the full gamut of the industry that anyone that just loves aerobatics can get into. And so um, I didn't want to take anything away from them because I think it's kind of unfair if I'm competing with them in the same airplane and I've got a thousand hours in it and they've got all of 10. Uh, so yeah. I was like, all right, I'm, I'm going to fly intermediate. And I, my goal with doing intermediate or advanced was just, I, I'm going to do it for fun, show the airplane can do it, can do it safely. And I'm not jonesing to win out of this. So, um, you know, the, the snaps are, if I can make it look like it's a gradable snap, then I'm happy, but I'm not looking for, you know, if you try flying it like an MX, it's going to confetti itself. It's not an MX. You have to fly it like the airplane it is. And and you can say the same thing of anything, like, you know, a pits has certain characteristics. They'll hammer, they'll do rolling turns better. They'll fly knife edge better. I think they can actually do the unlimited rolling loop goofy stuff better than extras can until they put the bigger rudder on it. Um, you know, so there's going to be limits on each aircraft and you're going to have strengths and weaknesses. And so, yeah. So with that, I was just like, okay, cool. If I can not zero the snap, then that that's my goal, but I'm not looking for something blistering. And, and in the critique, you know, a lot of times I'll get the note of, Ooh, yeah. Weak snap or buried it, or it was, that was goofy or, you know, whatever. I'm yeah. like, you know, I'm okay with that. That's, <laughs> but it's almost like, you know, what I was trying to get at, I have just been thinking how to relate what I'm thinking is, um, you know, it's like, watching a, a cub do an aerobatic routine. Like obviously everybody with, with cubs isn't going to go out and, and start, right. you know, looping their cub, but it's really cool to see. And it's perfectly It's, it's safe. relatable. Yeah. It's yeah, perfectly safe. It's and, and it's, cool it's relatable and, and you can see it and it's, uh, and so it's yeah, my fun. goal with it. Yeah. It was, it was like, I'm going to do this for fun. I'm not doing this to win. I'm just yeah. you know going to fly it. And, and uh, you know, the, the concern that, that came up was, Oh crap. I know he's a competitor. Uh, if he's doing this to win, then, then people are going to break airplanes or, you know, people are like, Oh, they'll try to emulate it. Cause they saw where he took zeros or something. And I'm like, I, I'm pretty sure most people understand that that's not, not the goal, but you know, if you're competing, was, you kind of understand. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you should know that even, 
it's, it's, I'm outstripping the airplane. I mean, it's, you know, but, and I have to make sure that I'm keeping it safe because I, I got kids and a wife. I'm going home at the end of the day and well, you I can't have afford to, to replace yeah. it. I can't report, afford to replace wings. I mean, if I break them, I will, but I, I can't afford it. So, <laughs> um, so it's one of those things where it's like, okay, I'm going to keep things slow, but I'm going to demonstrate what the aircraft uh, can do because most of the maneuvers are not bad. And this year's uh, freestyle is, um, they, they moved it to 14 figures are allowed. So I, I basically have a really big intermediate free that has yeah. a couple snaps on it, <laughs> but I can control the entry speed very well on. And, and, uh, yeah, so there's just, just a few things like that. I added some, a few interesting maneuvers that didn't exactly go the way I thought they, well, I, I had more torque on one, so I got off heading on something, but I was like, okay, cool. And, yeah. uh, I was like, okay, my goal is ideally no hard zeros, but I'll take them if I have to. If I don't like a maneuver, I'll just not do it. If the speed doesn't work out, then okay, don't do that roll um, or, or whatever it is. And then just, you know, make sure that, you know, if I'm above VA, you don't use full deflection. And if you're below it, then go full bore and, uh, and keep the snaps extremely slow, which are why mine typically, you know, I, I flew, uh, I, yeah, I flew intermediate in, at nationals a number of times with the Super D. Um, and they, yeah, they don't look like, you know, uh, Tom Rhodes, cap doing a snap they they look like well it was it was a snap it was okay <laughs> um, would you ever consider extremely slow would you consider flying advance at this year's nationals just because to see what kind of re- reaction you get <laughs> that that would get quite the reaction i i, I think i <laughs> i'm kidding, I'm kidding. <laughs> nobody would like even be wasting my my entry fee on that one <laughs> it's like, yeah i'm going for medals but it just seems like eh, what that might but be going got, a little, little far on it. <laughs> you got second place last year's nationals in the decathlon. Is that right? Yeah. I'm, yep. I'm, and only by incredible, uh, like man. 10 points or something. Maybe it's 10 or 20 points. So it wasn't, wasn't was it much. An, did you have any outs by the way? Uh, on the last flight? No. On the earlier flights I, I, I did. I think actually the, the last unknown, um, I can't remember if I got second or I think I got third on that flight. And, uh, by raw scores, I should have been a little bit further in the pack, but I was the only one, I think, to keep it in the box the whole time because the winds were interesting. So and then that's you, kind you're of the, the decathlon, you keep it slow and it'll, it'll, yeah. it actually flies better, slower to a point. Oh, so you're a boundary, you're a boundary lover. I'm a boundary hater. It, I don't mind if there's no boundaries cause I'll go for the, the presentation. Uh, yeah. You know, I, you know, but, uh, but, but really just keep it in the boundaries, but just keep it in front of the judges. I, I wasn't really you know, like, Oh, I can't take an out. It was more of a, okay, just keep it in front of the judges. And if it happens to work out, then bonus. Did you um, find that when you were just to switch a little bit? So when you went to sure. Romania for whack, which I definitely want to talk about, um, I didn't know until I got there to do the uh, warm up gig that there was no boundary judging. And for me, um, it took a lot, not a lot. It took pressure off me. I mean, I think I would have flown within the same confinements anyway, but it was one thing less to to think about um, during the flight. And I thought my flying was a little bit better without boundaries, um, just because of not having to, to worry about them so much. How do you how do you feel about like the SIVA presentation versus IAC type presentation with that? Yeah, I think, uh, yeah, with, with that part. Um yeah, is, I don't know what it is, but it is one of those things where it's like, oh, okay, I can breathe now. Even though you're going to fly almost the exact same way with the exact same stuff, you're just not as worried about it. And, and the reality is, is that you've got to present the maneuvers so that judges can see them. So if you're way out to the side, it's going to look weird anyway. Right. Um, so, so I, I think, uh, you know, in the past I've been to regional contests where, 
you know, if they, they can't have boundaries, they're just like, all right, remember, um, if something's really weird or it's way out there, just make sure you appropriately deduct it in presentation. And, and I, I think the kind of the SIVA mindset for presentation and boundaries is making its way more into the judging criteria of, you know, does the maneuver isn't a spot that looks right? Is it too close, too far away to, you know, I, I don't think everyone's doing the, uh, um, I know Steve Johnson and a few of the others talked about, okay, yeah, you put a mark and this is a half point and this one's a full point and then you deduct it from presentation. I don't know if anyone or if too many people are going that far, but I think more are placing more of an emphasis on, you know, is, is it in front of me and does it look right? Right. So I think it's getting there. And I know there's every few years there's an argument about, you know, oh, this figure used to have to be on the right side and this one used to be, have to be on the left side. This one used to have to be center. It's like, well, I don't think we should necessarily go back to that. Um, because there are some figures that would look kind of, I mean, there's, there's a number of different sequence you can design where almost everything's either in the center or it's, it's pretty close if, if you're aware of where the box is at. So, right. so yeah, but, but I, I don't mind that emphasis of, you know, where's too far. And, and if it looks kind of weird or too far away, then yeah, I'll deduct it or, you know, a judge will, would say that to themselves, but, but yeah, no, I, I think, I think that's starting to make its way more into the judging or at least into the mindset. And I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing. I know a lot of times we're trying to avoid some of the SIVA type stuff just because of the activity that we have in the U.S. that's different from what's in Europe. And maybe we could start up some more clubs. I'm not sure why that that isn't or is, but but yeah, it's just some interesting things that go on. So Romania yeah. was really, really interesting. Um, <laughs> you were the top scoring American pilot, which is congratulations because that is amazing. Um the Panzel that you were flying, uh, the Panzel uh, Day Aaron. Um, how yeah. how did <laughs> you get? Like... Yeah, you. How much did you fly? I can't imagine you flew that plane a lot. So, because it wasn't even near you. It was down no, in Iowa. It, 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 yeah, and that was the closest I could find. So, so my my journey was rather interesting. Um, you know, le- leading up to that, I had access to an extra three hundred. Uh, L and then, and then I, I had some access to a 330 LX and, uh, due to some, um, stuff that came up, the, the major owner for him, uh, got to the point where he had to sell them. So for, I was the last one to actually qualify in 2017. I was like at the bottom of like, you know, eight out of eight was, was where I was at. And I trained up in the LX and then right before the contest, we had to switch out to the L cause of, uh, some stuff that came up. So I was like, Oh, okay. Um, and they do snap quite a bit different when you got that big, big rudder versus small rudder versus different ailerons. It's like, okay, Should've just taking the decathlon at that point. <laughs> Fuck the 300L. I'm taking a decathlon. <laughs> Send it. Send it. You know, when I started flying, uh, when I started flying the extra, I, um, I was like, okay, I should spend at least a couple contests and in intermediate before moving up. I got an airplane. I can move up. I'm excited to do it. Let's, let's figure this out. And, uh, and at those contests, my free was designed for the decathlon in intermediate, and it was not designed for an extra. And I, I was not kicking myself, but I, there's a few times where I would have totally kicked my own butt in the decathlon compared to me flying a, an extra. Um, advanced, totally different story. But, um, but yeah, so, so I qualified, and then right away we ended up uh, having to sell the aircraft before I could really, tr- I, I wanted to use the 300 to keep my G tolerance up. And then I knew it was like, I'm not sending this overseas. I can't afford that, but I can afford to partner with somebody, which would be awesome. Yeah. So I, I initially um, approached Stan Moy, uh, who's, 
he's super generous and super awesome as well. He's a good stick. And, uh, and so in January and February, I started training, um, with, uh, Nikolai in the 300 SHP and, and Stan was awesome. He's like, you know, it's come down anytime you want and fly it. But the issue of me getting to Alabama from North Dakota was going to be like a day's worth of fly of airline flights to get down there for an hour of beating myself up. And then another day worth of airline flights to get back is like, I can't justify doing this so much. Yeah. Um, but but I went down to, to get trained up. So I was getting handy with it and I was happy. Um, but then, uh, when it opened up that, you know, Aaron was going to partner with another pilot, but that kind of fell through. So I'm like, Aaron, you're a lot closer. Could I get into this? And he's like, you know what? For partnering with somebody, you know how to switch out airplanes and have them ready for the next person and thing, you know, because that's what we do with the aerobatic team. Um, all the time is we're always swapping headsets and swapping things out and getting the aircraft reconfigured for the next pilot. So I'm like, yeah, no, no problem. You know, when I hop out, it's going to be ready for you. Uh, so I was able to get down a couple times a month um, to train, but that was kind of it. You know, most people are training up a few times a day or at least a few times a week. And I'm like, yeah, if I can get in once or twice a month, that would be awesome. So, so how, many, how many hours did you have in just the panzel before in, you were foot, like before the, uh, the whistle of the, uh, <laughs> or the whistle. <laughs> yeah, it, it might've been like, uh, well, we did some cross countries for training because we, we did a cross country down to Ashland to train with the Morrisseys. Um, and then we did a cross country down to Rome, Georgia. So if I take out the cross country time, it's probably only like, you know, 10? I think I logged 40 hours or something like that, but it wasn't, it, there wasn't a lot of training. I, I logged yeah, quite a bit at the Morrissey's cause it was a, you know, and about an hour a day, you know, well, you've, you've done training with them as well. So, so it's very intense, but it's not a lot of hours, but so yeah, maybe but 20, actual, 20 aerobatic hours. Yeah. Something like that was probably what I had. It, it really incredible. wasn't, wasn't a huge <laughs> amount. You, dude. So, so um, crazy. So, so that's where, I mean, I even joked with you, you know, it's like out of all these people, I just feel like, you know, Charlie in the chocolate factory, like, you're just lucky to be here. Uh, <laughs> like, yeah. So and, no, I, remember, the- <laughs> I remember in Romania and not to build up, you know, make your head big, but you know, I, I didn't, we, we didn't know each other at that point. And no, um, I ran to you in New York. <laughs> yeah. And, so like, I was like, I've heard about you, you know, I know you could fly the balls off at the Gathlon and, you know, this was before kind of Facebook aerobatic pilots blew up and we were at the training field in, in Czech Republic. And I don't know if I had just get, I think I had just gotten there. No. Yeah. You and I just got yeah, there. We just, both just gotten there. I had to put the plane back together. Yeah. You were putting the plane together and it was like sunset. And I was like, Oh, I was like expecting like some, like, you know, not to be like mean, but you know, like it's hard going from a decathlon to a panzel and you kind of just came out and started ripping it up. And I was like, Whoa, <laughs> boy can fly. <laughs> and it was really ready. Cool. We got to get ready fast. <laughs> yeah. That was a whole, that, that needs a whole nother podcast to go into. <laughs> yeah. That, that adventure was can... insane. Yeah. There's, there's so much to that. That was, it was a cool experience. And then we need to make a and, cartoon. And, yeah. You and Dunphy came and, uh, and saved us from, wherever that airport was that decided they didn't have gas. Yeah. In the um, middle of a riot. Oh uh, yeah. yeah in the middle of a riot. <laughs> yeah. It's no big deal. Um, we have a yeah, podcast man. of Jeff trying not to look like a terrorist. Yeah, uh, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, you man, kicked yeah, ass, no, dude. Kick yeah. Th- thank you. And you flew first one of the flights, right? 
I flew first and I flew last. The third flight I, I drew first and had to fly it, and I, I kept within the top ten. I think I was sixth overall after that flight. So order a flight, which is is not bad for being stuck is number one. Um, on that one, and then I ended up flying last of the contest, and then I had to do a, a drug test afterwards, and. <laughs> So I, I do my thing and they're like, uh, it's too clear. You're too hydrated. I'm like, yeah, cause I don't want to pass out, but okay, go yeah. again. Like I just too did. Clear. Like, what do you, yeah, it's too clear. It's like, we want you to go again. I'm like <laughs> super troopers. I, I can't pull over anymore. I'm already pulled over. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's own issues. But, uh, but yeah, one of my favorite, uh, th- you're one of the memorable, there's a ton of memorable stuff there. But oh my God. I guess, yeah. Uh, dozens. But um, some of the guys were watching me fly, and so they asked Richard, they're like, ah, we know this is uh, not Mike's airplane. It's Aaron's aircraft, right? He's like, yeah, yeah. What's Mike normally fly? Super decathlon. He just Super decathlon. Drop, <laughs> drop Mike, walks away, and they're like, uh, what? Well, no, no, I, I don't understand. Um, oh, my God. That's funny. <laughs> yeah, they came. that airplane landed in Romania, and they had never seen anything like it. And it was like something from – Back to the future. I don't know because everything is extras, yeah. caps and suits. And um, Panzel had never been over there. They'd never seen a, a Panzel or a Statiker or anything. Well, there, there's no. Statikers over there, but it, it's kind of like uh, you know, you guys talking about Rob Holland taking the MX to to Europe, where um, you know the, the first few flights we had, Aaron and I were in the middle of the pack, uh, and I, I don't necessarily know that is because either of us were making a huge amount of mistakes. It was just like that plane's weird. I don't know what it looks like when it snaps. I mean, it doesn't. It, it has a really great snap. Um, you, you have to pitch it. So it like shows and presents really well, but it does look different than an extra. Um, and then once they started getting used to it, then it was like, okay, yeah, now, now we see what's happening and where, where things are at. And, and then the scores really started lighting off. Um, and and that's one thing I wanted to ask you about with the super too. D. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I, that's one thing I wanted to ask you about the super D in, in terms of judging. Cause, um, and snaps kind of came to my mind in particular because obviously you know, snap seemed to be one of those where, where an airport, there's so much, um, individual technique in a, into a snap, you know, Kirby channels doesn't do snaps and somehow one nationals, uh, every, every airplane snaps differently. <laughs> I love that. Um, we're spreading that rumor. <laughs> yeah. Kirby. Yeah. Spreading it. Um, never love, you, Kirby. <laughs> love you. That's, that's what he says, or that's, that's what I've heard. That's, that's, that's the word on the street. That's the word, uh, on, the that's the word on the street. <laughs> um, do you feel like, you know, uh, having a, a decathlon extreme super, uh, whatever flavor flying advanced, um, how much of a judging handicap are you taking? Um, just for the simple fact that, uh, people aren't seeing a super decathlon or an extreme decathlon do advanced maneuvers in advanced. I mean, um, you know, well, I, judges, I think, uh, most of their experience is on the line, right? You know, they don't get taught to, to, <laughs> there's not a lot of teaching in the nuances of how different airplanes snap necessarily so much as it is, you're just, you're grading the figure. How, how do you think, how do you think that played out? Yeah. Well, I, I, th- I think, um, the decathlon is a big airplane. Um, after, uh, you know, the, the gentleman that, that was the major owner and really helped us out and the, and the team out with the, uh, with the aircraft was Charlie Atterbury and at Spencer a couple of years ago, we were able to do a, a missing man formation for him. And, um, I, I was able, I got permission from the university cause you know, got our, all of our safety procedures and stuff to do, uh, to fly lead on it. And we had an S2B 
and we had an extra 300 that Luke flew and STB was flown by Batman. And then Aaron had the Panzel to kind of represent the different things he helped us with and the different aircraft he'd flown. And I promise this will get back to your answer or question, but, uh, but I've got the video online of that flyover. And when you look at it, the decathlon is huge. It's, it's giant compared to everything else. Um, it, it is not a small airplane and it's a big rectangular Hershey bar wing. So, yeah. uh, a judge is going to see everything on it and have no doubt in their mind what it did or did not do. Typically, um, most of the figures and maneuvers, it, it, whether or not it's, it's coming from, um, you know, primary through sportsman, intermediate, advanced, it really on the grading side is, you know, does, does the roll center up? It's like, well, it's a really low roll rate. They start really early and they finished really late. Okay. I guess it's centered, um, for things at the top of a loop, like in figure one or, uh, or the lines, you know, are the line straight is the wing square, the loops round, you know, all those things will translate very well. And actually, I don't know if I'd call it a handicap. The Kathleen's kind of interesting. If it does it right, it's going to get really good points, especially on rolls and stuff like that. If, if it looks accurate, you're going to get all the points. If there's any error, just, it's is that be just because everything's just slowed down enough to? Is that just to judge it better? More time to judge the figure. I think it's just it's it's between the time to judge the figure and the geometry of the aircraft. Um, okay, there is one geometrical problem that the decathlon has, which it does have an angle of incidence on it. So I've noticed yeah. uh, in the video I've got from. Uh, the intermediate unknown in 2019 that I flew, I, I posted the video up for that. There's a few times where you can tell that if I'm going into a, a line where there's a roll on it vertically, that I'm flying the wing. So I don't have to correct as much for it. And with the paint job we've got on our green one, that actually works out pretty well, but you can definitely tell that the wing is different from the straight line down the center of the fuselage. And so that's probably going to give a deduction either way because they, they look weird going vertical. If you have it right, you know it's right. But if, if yeah. there's sometimes some question, it's kind of like, you know, certain lines. With probably the, can look negative uh, on the downline. Yeah. Yeah. It's easy to look negative on the downline. It's easy to look uh, a positive going up sometimes depending on on how you fly it. And and I, I've shifted depending on which maneuver I'm doing. If I fly the fuselage line or if I fly the wing line, which is kind of a weird thing to say that I change the verticals depending on what I'm doing. but. Um, but it's the what fact you that you have the wherewithal to even do that is incredible. Yeah, it's well, the plane flies slow enough. I have time to think about it. actually with advanced, uh, <laughs> with the, the vertical rolls they're like, Oh, you had so much time to think about. Like I have no time to think cause the roll rate's so slow that you're always doing something. And so I was, you know, I was purposely taking deductions on, all right, I'm going to make this one steep to make sure I can get around the corner. I'm going to do this one with no line before no line after to keep the speeds within limits and those types of things. And so, uh, so th that's, you know, kind of the goal of, you know, if you're going to do something like that, you've got to have the, the risk, man, you have to have it all planned out of, okay, how are you going to accomplish this? And how are you going to keep it within the limits of the machine? And not just within like, well, you know, with extras, you know, max snap speed is 140. It's like, cool. If you do them at 140, it tend to bounce your head off of both sides of the canopy, unless you get your straps really tight and your neck muscles like <laughs> full yeah. bore. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> And, uh, and with, you know, Jeff's the SC, you can really get things whipping around and stopping really hard, even on just aileron rolls at higher speeds. So, um, oh, yeah. so it's just all about, you know, planning that, but yeah, the airplane was so slow. That's like, uh, no, I'm, I'm, the control is always someplace. There was not a time for me to relax despite flying it slow because it was just something had to happen all the time. Otherwise it wasn't going to make it through any of the figures. <laughs> I would imagine um, that was such a physically demanding <laughs> sequence to fly. I can't imagine. I mean, 
G load wasn't in cockpit footage of it. I, I do. Yeah. I, G load wasn't bad. I kept the G's fairly low. Um, I, I wouldn't I think, think that, about G's it's just so but, much as just the physical movement. Oh I mean, yeah. You're yeah, moving and the, so the much. In is not, not super light on the controls. And the one I was flying, um, they, they had it, uh, they, they put the new wings on it and actually it's set up the same way Greg Kuntz's is. Um, in fact, I think they set theirs up first cause, uh, uh, Dick Swanson, whose plane it is, um, what they used his aircraft to certify the trailblazer prop on the decathlon. So it's got trailblazer okay. prop, the engine, it was overhauled not too long ago. Um, so it actually pulls uh, quite a bit better than the super D, but it, it doesn't, um, it's got a little more torque sometimes in a few maneuvers. Uh, but that's all right to some to work with, but it's got the, uh, extreme wingtips on it. So it's shorter by about a foot in wingspan because those tips, and then it's got the, um, extreme ailerons and they're surprisingly heavy. They roll faster at lower speed, but the flight controls aren't, you know, the, the feel on it is not lighter. Um, interesting. So it helped out with some maneuvers getting the roll really slow. And then others, it's like, this is really heavy, which was fine because that prevented me from, you know, strong arming it to full deflection at really high speed. Uh, and I was purposely not doing that too. I want to keep the roll rate consistent and the speed, especially going 45 up or some of those drops off so fast that you kind of have to play it a little bit, but, um, but yeah, it was, it was interesting trying to take all that into consideration when flying it. So I had all that planned before I flew. I'm like, yeah, this will work. Um, I'm gonna have to cut power here and watch the speed at this point. And if I don't like it here, then that's where you, you just back out of the maneuver. Um, and I think the, the known I had to take a break on the, the free I didn't. And the unknown I didn't, the, the known I had to take a break on because I was getting, there was a really strong West wind and I was getting blown over the judges. So I wasn't able to correct far enough <laughs> down range. So I was like, well, I'm just going to stop here. Why, why bother? And then I'll re- reset things at a better altitude anyway, and get, get some altitude and not, not worry about it. And then I can drop the, the, yeah, it was the inverted spin in. So I was, it was between four and five. So they were laughing. They're like, you just wag out inverted? That means he has to wag in inverted. And I'm like, well, yeah. That's <laughs> how that works. <laughs> oh, that's cool, man. I haven't seen any video of this yet. Jeff, have you? Um, no, I have not. I and was assuming that somebody took it from the ground. I don't know if anyone took the known. Uh, I have a, a, a practice one I, I took of the known that I was when I was trying it with the, just a straight super decathlon, keeping things really slow. So I'm afraid. Yeah, I'm afraid to see anything because if I ever put under a lie detector test, I'm not going to pass. So there's just too much going on right now. I, I don't want to. I'll stay on the outside for now. I don't want to. I don't want to have to go into witness protection and work at a pet store, Mike. <laughs> and, and have have ketchup on your yeah. on your raviolis. Yeah. Screw that. Screw yeah. That. <laughs> so hey. how do you feel about the 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 fallout from this from a uh, from or not fallout, but um, how do you feel about the IAC's position? Um, after all this, cause uh, I mean, I don't know how much we want to get involved with talking about, yeah, you know, uh, like the politics and, and, and how deep I don't need to go. I, I yeah. think, um, I, I think the concern started cause they, they weren't entirely sure how I was flying it. And, and there was some concern that it, it would attract other people to try to replicate it. Um, I, I definitely don't encourage trying to replicate it unless you're kind of doing it for funsies. I, I, I kind of want, I, I kind of preach, you know, if, compete how you practice and practice how you're going to fight. So, yeah. um, you know, a lot of people say, Oh yeah, I've tried practicing intermediate or, you know, I, I, I do snaps in this type of airplane all the time, but I never do them in contests. I'm like, what, 
what would make it different in a contest? And I knew, you I know, know some people will ramp it up for a contest or they'll get a little I, more. I got to just interrupt you. And I'm sorry, our listeners are going to kill me, but yeah, no problem. just to get back to that with like, what the thought was that people are going to try it. Like, you know, you're, you're really not giving people the benefit of the doubt of being intelligent. Uh, because if you go to air venture or anything, you got a guy in a bonanza or you got David Martin in a, in a baron, you got uh, Bob <laughs> Hoover in a strike doing all this crazy shit. Right. So you got the Kid Fox going crazy, and and uh, is that who, who did yeah. the Kid Fox? Was it Skip? Uh, it was a Skip. It was a uh, Franklin. Was, uh, Franklin. Franklin. Yeah, I mean Franklin. all these things that shouldn't be quote unquote shouldn't be doing aerobatics, doing aerobatics, and nobody's going leaving Oshkosh or leaving whatever air show, and on the way home looping their bonanza because they're smart and they know it's an yeah. act or it's done by a very talented person and it's uh, just above their abilities and you know you kind of naming people to be stupid enough to try that. Like you have no faith in your, in your base that they're yeah, going to go take it to Catholic. Yeah, they've got to be, uh, you know, the pilot has to be the PIC. I mean, if you're flying, yeah. you got to know what your limits are and, and, and where your things are. And, and then that's the neat part about airbags is we can explore the envelope a little bit more. We've got that, that freedom and that safety factor that's built into a lot of the aircraft we've got, but there are still limits. Uh, and I know, uh, you know, uh, Doug down in Southeast Aero talks about that all the time. It's like, these aircraft are almost indestructible, but it's only almost. You can break it. It's like they have yeah. limits for a reason. And they've been broken. Every um, manufacturer said a broken airplane. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, de- definitely. So I, I think so. overall from support-wise, uh, I've got a lot of good support. I think there was a, a knee-jerk reaction I- initially um, that uh, that led to some interesting phone calls, but I, I'd characterize those as weird. And I, I took it as good-natured. It, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think it was... Um, you're, you're being you know, so polite. I love it. it means <laughs> Ironically, that's just how I am. So like you could say it's being political, but I've told the same people. The no, same polite. Stuff. I don't think it's like, it's like I, I, I'm just giving people the benefit of the doubt. You know, there's, cause there's yeah. some other issues that, um, that they can't do the same thing on well. the boundaries. Give me the benefit of the doubt sometimes. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you're over though, you're over. <sighs> <laughs> So where, where do you stand now? Are you still getting like hate mail? And um, no, no, I think, think everything's in a, in a, in a good spot. <laughs> so I, I think every, everything's working out well. And I, I, like I said, I've got a lot of support. So when we say the IEC, you know, there's a lot of different components to it. And so I've got a lot of support from a lot of people in the IEC as well yeah. saying, man, it's uh, you know, been, been cool. Um, well, I don't think you need support. I think you have a phenomenal reputation and, and that's enough in my book. Yeah. So. I, I, I appreciate yeah, it. Agreed. But yeah. Everyone that was there. I mean, if, if, uh, and you know, if, if someone would say, Hey, I didn't like how this looked, you know, or how did you do this? Or, or, you know, okay, can you point out speeds and where you hit your max G at? It's like, I had no problem discussing it. And if something didn't look right, then I myself was willing to call it off. But if someone would say, Hey, I don't like it, stop it. Yeah. I, I'm yeah. I'll listen to that. You know, I have no issue if, if someone has issue with what I'm doing or, or see something unsafe. Cause I, 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 frankly appreciate it that someone's looking out for me so um and it's great for the brand too i mean it's so great for the brand especially even last or two years ago when you won nationals i mean sorry when you got second place at nationals which is pretty much the same as winning it at the decathlon i mean that's (laughs) great for american champion i mean that that to them is free press um in terms of capability of an airplane i mean anybody going into the into the factory or the sales room going well can this plane compete in sportsman? And it's like, well, some guy just won second place at nationals and intermediate. So I'm pretty sure sportsman's not an issue. So yeah, you've done a lot, a lot for the brand. 
yeah. And so I, I mean, it's, it, it's a really capable aircraft and, um, it, it does have some weak points to it. That's, you know, well-documented and, and things like that. And ACA has done a great job of correcting most of those. I mean, if someone's got an older decathlon, they're asking about snaps. They'll be like, well, do you have the new tanks? Cause if you don't, I really wouldn't recommend it because they, they've yeah. done a lot of work over the past uh, yeah. decade to, you know, fix the issues that, ha- you know, cause the Tabri's used to snap all the time and they never had an issue. And then when they made the tank stronger to take more G, then it started causing issues ironically. Um, but yeah. that was, you know, 80, you know, that's, that's a long time ago, you know, eighties, nineties. Uh, but, yeah. but now I think they've got their, their system really worked out and I haven't had any problems with, uh, tanks in any of the school airplanes. Um, yeah, I, we did have, it, they weren't related to maneuvering. Um, one of them, there's like a, uh, the band that holds the tank down uh, came off from whatever rubber grommet it was and eventually wore a hole in the back of the tank, but that's not maneuvering related. It was like, well, that's Vibration. just bad luck, I guess. Yeah. You know, so yeah. There, there's, you know, but it's a, yeah, it's a great robust aircraft, perfect for training. Um, and I always want something more to do more and get the students able to compete higher with a, a higher safety factor. But I, I don't know entirely how I do that. You know, if, if, if we got a, a more advanced aircraft, I'd have to be like, all right, your max speed for today is 130. You can do rolls at 130 where you need to use yeah. all the flight controls because <laughs> exactly. it's so easy with an extra at doing 160, just flip and there it goes. Point and shoot. No, totally. yeah. Are they getting excited for nationals? It's weird too, because they yeah. get, you know, they come to school, they're there for maybe two weeks and then it's, they get to go. I mean, can you imagine being in a school and like, you have to go to nationals. You made the team, you have a commitment you have to go Okay, sure. <laughs> I, I don't think I have awesome. their arm to get into it. It's more of those like, I want to go. I'm, I'm going, right? We're going. We're, we're doing They're excited this. though. When, when are we leaving? How early are we leaving? Can we get practice slots? I'm like, I don't know how that's going to work. Because I really can't take for myself two, you know, two weeks off of, of yeah. the start of the semester. <laughs> I'm teaching classes. Um, but yeah, we'll, we'll have the week off for nationals. And then and then we'll, we'll see how early we can get down to try to get, even if it's off, <laughs> off airport, get some practice in. I almost want to be like the assistant to the assistant manager, regional coach for UND and just have like a white headband or dress up like Nick Saban. And cause I don't have any hair. So I'll get like one of those um, visor caps with the, with the uh, spiky hair in it and a clipboard. Oh, yeah. And a, yeah. A clipboard and a whistle and just walk around with you guys at the team, <laughs> high tube socks and everything like that. Just Perfect. Eighties. <laughs> The trick is though, you guys got safety pilot. That's where the, the real fun is. That's where, you know, looping back to, to worlds, you know, people are like, man, that must've been stressful and stuff. I'm like, that was actually the most chill contest I've been at. Cause I, I was just me. I had to take care of. I mean, I made sure Aaron, I, I could run around and give people water, you know, you didn't have to corral monsters. I, I didn't have to corral a bunch of people and, and tell them, Hey, don't forget your headset, put the parachute on, get in the airplane, try to fuel things up while people are swapping out or any of that type of stuff. Put that like, beer bong away. <laughs> yeah it was just uh so, yeah flying that sequence in the in the uh in the super d what was the most limiting factor into or what was the most confining limitation that you you came upon i mean was it was it um airspeed limitation or you know high or low uh g limitation combination like what was there one factor one limitation that was just kind of like man if this was just Dude, if it was if this was a seven G airplane, holy crap! Or if B and E was two hundred and fifty knots, you know, um, what was it? Yeah, you know, extra speed never hurts, especially with a low roll rate. Um, but the the aerodynamics on the aircraft, it, it really doesn't like. 
I know some people like to go to V&E as a goal, but but really it's just a lot of drag with that airplane. It doesn't really corner all that good when you get the speed up that high. So I was shooting for, you know, like figure one, where's the vertical and some more stuff, you know, about 180 gets me the vertical. So I can at least have some sort of line before going around. Um, but, but really I wasn't too concerned about the high speed part. It was just making sure that the speed was low enough for, for the snaps and, and things like that. So I run into that problem even with, um, uh, intermediate a little bit. There's intermediate. A, a maneuver where I come up, uh, I can't, I don't have the card in front of me. There's like a half loop up and a two or four or something, and then into a snap. And with the prop that's on this particular decathlon and how I do my half loop up, I can actually accelerate through the roll to a point where I'm above snap speed and have to pull power to slow down to get to the snap. Um, so, so I'm like adding power to tractor across the top, get the roll started, cut power, do the, finish the part of the roll, uh, make sure the pause is nice and long. So that way, when I pause before the snap to get the speed down to like 75 and I know the max snap speed's 90, but I, I like, you know, between like 70 and 80 is I just, then I don't have to worry about the aircraft as much. Um, then that's actually the harder part is getting it slow. So in this one with advanced, uh, uh you know, if there's a, a downward snap and an unknown or something, then I've got to worry about, you know, making sure the speed's nice and low for that. For the known sequence, there's a snap coming off the hammer. The nice part is you, you pivot, you're at zero speed, you know, practically nothing anyway. So I just do it right away with no line before. And now I'm at no airspeed to get it around. And uh, and if it looks like it breaks, awesome. If it doesn't, I did a Kirby Chambliss, you know, fake snap, then okay, cool. I didn't need to worry about speed. But, <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I, I keep it to where, you know, snaps are all like really low G load on it. You know, I'm only doing like two to two and a half. And I think with the rotational force, there's the calculation that you, you double double that to whatever the outside of the wing might be experiencing. So it keeps everything well within the limits of the plane. Um, so there's just a few things like that, that it, it's really just keeping the speed low enough for those types of maneuvers and then having enough energy for some of the other ones. So, sure. um, there's that weird alien head. That's kind of a fun one. Uh, oh, yeah. so I'm, I make sure I get speed <laughs> on number five to do the alien head. And then for, uh, that 45, um, you know, I got all the comments like really, really steep. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I, I no shit. didn't go 45. I went really steep. So, cause you can get a two or four on the vertical just fine. So I went to, you know, like darn near 60 degrees. Like, I'm just going to eat whatever point that is, but I can do the alien head and get it around. Cause you run out, yeah, of, yeah. out of steam to eat that pushover. So I'm excited so though. Things like that where I'm like, just clearly cheating the, the system and yeah. taking whatever advantage I can get. I'll just take the deductions. Cause I'm just showing that, look, it can, the maneuvers aren't anything crazy because they really aren't um yeah i suppose the the one thing that would help is uh uh the decathlon doesn't have a strong push it's got a strong negative limit on it so it can go to negative five but the elevator really doesn't get it past negative three very good so the uh, outside half loop up i i got a lot of low speed on the two of four and i decided that i'd try to go left on the snap so i rolled right and i really should have rolled with the torque of the engine and probably would have worked out better okay but, uh, so that one I, I i made the maneuver work but i was just dropping out you know it was just descending so i got a couple of comments that i was like you were really descending yeah. and then when you flipped over and got it back to the next point and then you went way up and as you're rolling back to the thing like yeah it's just goofiness so there's That's just freaking awesome things to make it get around but it was you know kept all the altitude safe i wasn't worried about altitude um the decathlon has a good rudder for rollers. It'll do rollers better than the old 300 L's. Uh, I'm not sure which rudder you got in yours, Mark. 
Same. You know, I was just yeah. just talking to somebody about that today. Uh, I went and 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 flew this morning with a guy who who bought a 300s and talking about some of the limitations of the small tail extras. You know, like hammer hammerheads. Um, not that it can't do a hammerhead really well, but rollers are another one where like I mean, my rollers were always terrible, never <laughs> never even halfway decent. But it's such a hard yeah. airplane to do rollers in. Yeah, you got, um, and it's a hard a airplane to get a slow hammer in too. Yeah. Yep. Um, the decathlon uh, has a, a little bit more effective rudder for what it does. So I, I actually, you know, switching between, you know, 300 L the Panzel had, well, yeah, the L had the weakest rudder. The LX has the really big rudder on it. The Panzel is light like the L, but more effective like the LX, but not quite there. And the decathlon, I sometimes will overdo the roller on it and get ahead of myself because I'm still thinking, you know, 300 rudder that it could definitely use more on. So and just goofy things like that with, you know, different weird maneuvers like rollers. I always liked rollers. Do you rollers think, kind of fun. I, I suppose, I, there, I suppose once you learn how to do them well, they might be satisfying and fun. I, <laughs> I mean, I, I haven't been, I haven't been coached in the airplane to even do them. And I don't, you know, uh, once, if I compete, I'll, I'll do that, but they're so frustrating. <laughs> they're so frustrating. They, they confuse the heck out of my know. students. They're like, what are you doing? And, and I, I was like, I hate to take a page out of Rob Holland's book, but you know, when he talks, if you asked him how he does his, in his, uh, rolling spin, you know what? I think we might've talked about that once. Um, cause the last time I asked him, he's like, like, well, you, you put the controls where it needs to go to keep it in a spin and rolling. And you're like, okay. Yeah. yeah. That's yeah. Let's just do it. Got Thanks it. Rob. Thanks. Um, so just do it. Yeah. <laughs> just to do it. How do you do a rolling spin? You do, you do, you spin and roll. You spin Idiot. and roll. Oh, okay. <laughs> cool. You, you can tell by the way it is, uh, but, <laughs> but the, uh, but yeah, with, with rolling turns, it's all trying to figure out where you're, you, you put lift at and that that's the challenging part. So, you know, when you're, when you're knife edge, I want lift to go up to keep me on knife edge, but I also want it to go in the direction of the roll, whichever that one is. And, uh, yeah. and then it, it, the dynamics and the, sight picture keep changing the whole time. So, so it takes a little while to kind of figure that out, but yeah, that could be a total. You like doing rollers to the left or the right more? You know, it doesn't, I don't, I'm not really handed when it comes to rollers because I'm not using a lot of roll rate most of the time. I, I started trying to pick yeah. it up and get them to go a lot faster. Um, but between doing inside, outside, upright and inverted, then I, I kind of stopped worrying about which way they go at that point. Um, did, did you, you never found uh, like those are fun. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. Fun, fun. That. Okay. Yeah. You, you don't, you, the push is in the beginning. And then after that, it's, it's more of a pull at the end. Whereas with an inside roller, there's a lot of push at the end. So that's true. <laughs> that's true. Yeah, that's true. I, you know, um, maybe the extra is, and I, I don't think, I can't think back to ever doing rollers in the pits. Um, I did I did some ninety rollers in the, um, in the super decathlon and I, I didn't find much le uh, left or right uh, difference, but they were all crappy and not to be graded with any amount of you know levity to to be able to do rollers well. But in the in the mid wing, um, I get a lot of gyroscopic it seems gyroscopic um, influence going left, whereas to okay. the right it, it it seems to be. Um, it, subdued. There's going to be somewhat. a point where it wants to snap out more one way than the other. Um, yeah, it seems to do and, to the left on on the midwing. Yeah, that sounds about right. So yeah, I, I haven't flown an extra in a while. So I well, 
I got got to try out the NG. That was fun. But uh, but other than that, Ooh, tell I, us about I, that. Oh yeah, so uh, NG NG time. Um, so at Oshkosh, you know, I was talking with with Chad, and it's like I'm, you know, I can't speak for the school, but I'm interested in looking at, you know, I, I'd like the school to have some options for some aircraft because we. We we spin a Cessna 172 when when the decathlons are where we do most of our spin training the decathlons but we've got 172 that we do them as well and I just don't I, I personally don't like spinning that airplane and, and I think it'd be Can't better stand to spinning 172s yeah handle a little bit more um, yeah and handle a little bit more weight because the the super decathlons are kind of weight limited so so I, it'd be kind of neat to have something with more things he's like well we should bring one up and we should fly I'm like well we're going to the contest next weekend in Spencer. Um, so it'd save you from having to go all the way up to North Dakota, but you know, we can check it out there. And so, uh, so he, he talked with the contest director and, and with um, Justin Hickson, I was like, yeah, I think we're going to do that. So we got a hotel room for the night and like, this might actually happen. Uh, nice. So he, he showed up on practice day. I was like, Hey, you want to practice it? I'm like, yes, actually that would be awesome. So, um, so he came in and was, was like, how many hours you got in, in extras? I'm like, oh, about 300, 350, something like that. He's like, yeah, you're good on insurance. Like, just take it. And, uh, and so, um, I, I did kind of the ratchet roll entry and then went up and did a knife edge spin and some other stuff and, and tried some torque rolls and things and, uh, you know, got some point rolls in and, and figure things out and realized I need to tighten my seatbelts a little bit tighter, but, um, <laughs> but yeah, just, it, it was, it was neat to, he's like, just go for it. I want you to go full bore. And he's like, should I take somebody with me or you want to go? He's like, I don't want to go with, you. no, I want to see it full out. I'm like, okay, cool. <laughs> So, would you take uh, a uh, Would you take an NG or an LX? Ooh, it's t- it depends on the mission. Um, I really liked flying the LX. Oh, would you personally N- like you personally? Me personally, uh, yeah, it still kind of depends on the, the the NG was nice that it was a lot quieter and it kept speed really well. Um, I didn't get to, I, I did snaps with it and, and I, I'd have to compare them, the LX versus the NG, the, the LX that I used to fly was tuned really well. Like the ailerons were just on rails and, and the NG, they, they lightened the centering force. Just at least the one I flew, the, the centering force was a little bit lighter, but it still had that kind of breakout feel to it. Like the SC kind of has, because it's got similar ailerons that way. Um, but the wing of the NG, I don't know what they did with the dynamics on it because I don't think they changed the airfoil much. But whatever they changed, it can corner and hook really hard. So it was mm. cornering a lot similar to the Panzel could, and that was one thing that we we noticed at um, at Worlds. And I guess talking about the safety factor, you know, we we did get approached after Aaron flew by the chief judge asking, "Hey, I want to see the G meter because there's no way you can corner that hard." And he's like, "Here's the G's. It's we only did you know eight and a half or nine. He's like but a corner is so much harder than the extra does. It's like, well, the extra wing is good at snaps. <laughs> this one, you got to really pitch before it breaks. Um, just without yeah. the airfoil was. So the, the NG had a, it's, it's not a changed airfoil much, but whatever they did to it, it, it hooks a lot harder. And I like the, the idea tips that, are different. I wonder if that's the significant that, change. That could be part of it. Um, Cause it actually has wing tips instead of like the squared off job. Yeah. Um, and all, all that plays a role. Aerodynamics get kind of weird. Uh, but it was yeah. quieter in the in the flight deck. The setup was really comfortable. The seats were super comfortable. So I suppose I'd be leaning towards the NG over an LX. And I like from a training standpoint, ah. you're kind of in a carbon fiber bathtub. So if you drop something, it doesn't go where you're going to have to bleed on it and give it a proctological exam to pull a 
a, uh, um, you know, six sack out or something. Yeah. So yeah. Did you feel, yeah. was it, was it heavy? Did it feel heavy or did it feel somewhat the same as a, like an LX or whatever? Yeah. The LXs do feel pretty light. I, I didn't f- think it felt any heavier. Um, I thought it felt pretty similar and it kept speed up really good. So it's a little bit wider and it's, it was really comfortable. Nice. Um, did it have that it, same it kept, extra feel? You know, it's like, well. yeah, it was, it was an extra, like you, it, it, there was nothing, yeah. nothing like, Oh, this is a brand new airplane. Like, no, it was an extra. It was just, you know, Cadillac style inside, <laughs> but so it's still cool. an extra. I, that's My, one thing I've always loved about extras is that, you know, you can hop from a 300 to a 300 L to an S and yeah, there's going to be some different characteristics, but it's like, okay, it's all, I, it's all ice cream, just different flavors. Like I, I get this. I, yeah. You know I what you're getting what's going on. Yep. Yeah. How many uh, sighting devices did it have? That one had none. <laughs> <sighs> oh, that's just weird. Now we're just getting weird. They can yeah. be added though. I mean, there's the mount for it. I don't know why I didn't bring them or, or left them back. Can you, can you say that slower and with a deeper voice for Mark? <laughs> which part the, the, the resale value on that airplane is going to be terrible no no sighting devices <laughs> terrible what a joke <laughs> what a yeah. joke we can go yeah, the like, guy um did it have a trickle charger port? we have a trickle I'm sure charger did. i didn't check that part <laughs> that's all important things to know god these are yeah engine pre engine preheater I didn't check that close to see if it, how many plugins it had. I, it, it's based in Florida. I highly doubt it had an engine preheater on it. Doesn't probably doesn't need it from yeah. Probably we doesn't need one it there because we were up north, so we, we'd plug it in and have everything warmed up, so we didn't have to do a twenty minute run up. You just do a five minute run up, and it was at temp and it was good to go. But hell yeah, hell yeah. You know, believe it or not, even in California, um, in the wintertime, it it would be super nice, super handy to have. Well, the, the nights get cold, especially if you're more in the desert area of it. Yeah. Even in the Bay Area, though, like uh, the 300 L I flew had one because um, it was based in uh, North Dakota uh, before uh, the flight school. I flew flew it, bought it. Um, uh, Mark, Mark and has cold a, mornings when it's 45 degrees. It's, you know, plugging it in. Super nice. Yeah, it's, it's it's nice. That's why Mark hasn't yeah. been able to go to. He's a very small operating window between 82.5 degrees and 76.9. If the temperature does not fall between there, he is not, he's not flying. So he needs to base his operations in Hawaii is what we're saying, right? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Too humid. Too humid. (laughs) I don't like humidity. humidity (laughs) (laughs) I don't like humid. I don't like cold. I don't like hot. Like uh, 65 (laughs) to 75 degrees. It's perfect. I love you. I would love yourself at this point. <laughs> dude, I would love to know what you complain about at the airline gig that you got. Like some girl gives you, or some, uh, I didn't mean to be like that. Uh, somebody, uh, a flight attendant gets your coffee and just, you got a thermometer. <laughs> just <waiting> for <laughs> optimal temperature. <laughs> it's too hot. Can't drink it. Do you ever complain about it? Wait, wait two more minutes. No, I can't do that. I need it now. Do you ever complain on the airline, Mark, at all? Come on, you have to complain. I'm a pilot. I'm a pilot. Dude, what, what do you, I spend all my time complaining. What are you talking about? Love it. These seats are too like soft. All I do is complain. Or the hobby. There's no lumbar could support. Be overnight, could be overnight in Puerto Vallarta and said we're overnight in LA. This is some bullshit. There's an MEL. They, they defer the APU. I'm going to get hot. It's hot in Puerto Vallarta. I'm going to get hot. There's no air. This is crap. I couldn't get coffee. Yeah. Just make sure you bring your portable shaved, shaved ice machine with you. Oh, That's you it. Go. 
fixes everything. Dude, if I could have a pocket snow cone machine, that'd be awesome. Just whip that out like the water boy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, dude, thank Mike. Thanks for coming on, man. You're the freaking you're the man. Yeah, this oh, was kind of last minute. We appreciate you guys. Uh, p- appreciate you being flexible and being able to come on, and then for some reason having a traveling mic with you. <laughs> I gave him a heads up. Get, get, get prepared. Yeah, I got a little, little bit of a heads up. It's like if this is gonna happen, I'll bring this thing, and uh, if not, then then I'll leave it at home and, and save some space for luggage. But I, I can make someone lug it around for me and toss it in the baggage compartment. Awesome. Do you have you anything? No, to, I, I appreciate it. Do you have anything to say to Dagmar and MSU besides you guys are going down? Oh, it's on. No, it's <laughs> it's on. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> no, we're looking forward to seeing the Nationals. It's, it's going to be fun. I need to get my hotels. I should find out where they're staying at so we can take their rooms. Um, awesome. No, and who- it, it's going to be awesome. Like said, it's it's like a big family reunion going to a contest. So, Mark, you should join us sometime. Get out oh, of the political contest. Come join the big family reunion contest. It's a lost cause. Don't get other. your hopes up. You're just going to be let down. <laughs> it's, it's not a lost cause. I like it. I, li- I like it. I like it. No, I'll, you like I, uh, I, I, I will probably do it someday. See what you should do is you should make <laughs> make one of your students do it, and then you just safety pilot, and then you don't have to worry about you know like worry about your scores or flying. You just you sit in the front and let them beat the crap out of you. That's a good then idea. You can say you went to a contest, but you didn't really have to. You know, just a toe in the water a little, little bit. I, I I honestly wish I could say that it was because I'm worried about my scores. I really. I, I don't care if I get, if I, I don't care if I fly like shit and get embarrassed in, in last place. I, that I really don't care about that part. It's more of, um, I'm trying to, and this is all seriousness. Like there's so much tongue in cheek on this podcast and, and I love talking <laughs> a lot of smack about how contests are too hot, but, um, I just, I don't have the time to dedicate the, yeah. to the level that well, I would want to do it. That's the it, honest It's truth. a big time it's, commitment. It, it's a big time commitment to try to get that weekend off and, and stuff like that, you know, but, you know, jumping into sporty, you know, with the instruction you've been doing and stuff shouldn't be a problem just being comfortable with it. But yeah, it, it's tough to take off the right time, especially with an airline schedule where they're like, yeah, I have a weekend. It's from like Thursday to Saturday and all the contests are later or whatever I think that it is. If yeah. I think for people like Mark, um, not that outcast you like that. I didn't mean it like that, but basically like people that are on the fence about going or really want to go. I think there needs to be like more going on at the contest. Like it's gotta be an event. Cause you're Mark's at, you know, he's barely had time to practice. So he's obviously not going to go like he'd like to comp- I'm, ass- I'm assuming this dude, but uh, you'd want to go and compete, but mostly like for the camaraderie and to have some fun, but there's, you know, it's not really, uh, you know, it's nationals. It should be focused around flying, but there's, there's really nothing going on on a ramp. Yeah, I think uh, Kansas is doing a little bit better yeah. job, but yeah, there's always flying. There's always some volunteering thing. You agree to do. with that, Mark? And, and, and I agree with you guys that we can make it into a spectator sport. It'd just take a heck of a lot more volunteers to make it happen. Yeah. You'd have to have yeah, like, and some just, backstory and some announcer, and then you have to keep them away from the judges because they're not supposed to be biased. And then, you know, there's, yeah, there's got to be some way of getting more into it. Well, and but, I just, I look at it from the standpoint of like, like, you know, anything that I want to do, I mean, I don't want to just be like, all right, you know, I, I cold flew this thing twice. Like I'm just going to show up and fly like crap and then fly home and then be like, look at me, I'm a competitor, you know? Um, cause I know there's certainly people out there that do that. And that's totally, if, if you do that, that's fine. Um, it's, if I'm going to go to a contest and I'm going to dedicate myself to go to a contest, like I need to dedicate myself to actually flying and yeah. getting coached, getting critiqued and doing the whole thing. And cause I want to do it right. You know, I, I, I want to do it well. I want to, I want to take it and seriously. It- and a contest weekend's a big investment. I mean, you, between the the time Huge. of and, and cost of getting the airplane to the contest on its own, registration fees yeah. are 
you know, like I can complain about them, but they're a drop in the bucket compared to whatever the operating cost on the aircraft to totally get, you know, couldn't agree cross country to get there and then get it yeah. back yeah. and then something else. It's just, you know, it's a big well, time the logistics too. You're gonna, oh yeah. Yeah. And if you're going to spend yeah. that much time in, in resources showing up, then you, you want to show up with a purpose, you know, do, do it well. Yeah. That's, and that's exactly what it is. It's like, if I, if I feel like a contest in and of itself is, a lot of downtime and granted there's volunteer work and I'm not, I'm not underplaying uh, the hard work of volunteers at all and would certainly show up and, and, and be there to work my butt off with everybody else. But you know, um, there's it, the flying is such a, it's, it's almost ancillary to the entire contest. It's like the smallest yeah. portion of your day or your days or your weekend is going to be spent in the cockpit doing the thing that you've been practicing months, days, weeks, months for, and then flying to the contest for. Um, and so if I'm going to do that and be away from my family, I want to make sure I do it right. And then to do that, it's, I'm sure it's a lot of it's in my head too. I've gotten into my head too much about how much time I need to actually dedicate to practicing before I go to a contest. But, um, I, you know, I'm hoping to get to a point to where I can, I can have a little more free time to do it, um, and do it to, to the kind of the standard that I would feel comfortable doing it. But I certainly, you know, have nothing but respect for, the IAC and contest and, and love it. Oh yeah. That's why we created the podcast. You know, I love this stuff. So someday, um, at the very least I want to make it to nationals. Um, I'm, I've pretty much committed myself to going to nationals next year, uh, to at least hang out and just be, yeah, that'd be, be awesome. a part of it and just hang out and be there. Um, whether I fly or not, it's a wholly, totally different, you know, conversation, but yeah, and I, I've, I've seen I a dream. few people come up for just a couple days. Uh, you know, the, the, um, the volunteers at the Sierra Nebraska contest, uh, I see 80, it's, it's Mac 80. Um, like they, they just love the sport. Like a, a lot of them aren't aerobatic pilots. They just love volunteering. So a lot of those just to see, uh, some of the friends competing from the Midwest at, at nationals are like, where are we planning on coming down? We're going to come down for a couple of days. We might volunteer. We might just watch you guys and then go, you know, it's not unheard of to, you know, just show up and hang out for a little bit with the, you know, the acro family and go for it. Yeah, um, yeah. totally. So yeah, yeah, check it out. Yeah, we'll see. Yeah, yeah. Hopefully, awesome. uh, hopefully, I'll be out there next year. That'd be awesome. Sweet, yeah. Mike. You got anything to plug Mr. or anything you want to talk about or spread oh, the word? Plug? Yeah. Well, if anyone's looking at uh, uh, you know a, a flight degree or getting into aviation, definitely check out University of North Dakota. <laughs> Sweet <laughs> professor there. So, <laughs> so check it out. We've got uh, the things that that people probably don't realize is is our operations are huge. We've got about a hundred aircraft on. Uh, at Grand Forks that are ours that we fly. And I think last year we did 126,000 flight hours of training or something like that uh, over the course of the year. And that's dealing with COVID as well. So um, it, it's a busy operation. We got a lot of awesome grads and then we've got some unique opportunities like the there's a seaplane course, there's my acro course and tailwheel courses that you can't I find in a lot of other places. I definitely picked the wrong college. Jesus. Yeah, you went to business and you, you can afford to fly an SC and you know, have a great family in New York. So No, yeah. I was just giving uh, everything. That's what everybody else thinks. <laughs> just say that. I was just giving it. Just give it. <laughs> Send it. Uh, yeah, yeah. But, uh, <laughs> but no, Airbacks is an awesome community. So like I said, it, you know, it, if you're thinking about Airbacks, join the IC, check things out, get the info. Um, I think you can sign up for some of their online stuff. Stay connected with uh, Fly Cool Shit and the uh, – um, Airbags face face two pages and face two uh, face two <laughs> <laughs> and the my books and uh, my no books. just check it out get get involved 
and keep contact with everybody. It's an awesome community. So whether or not you, you compete or not, it's, it's just a neat way of seeing the world in a different, different light and uh, getting some extra skills, skill sets you can use no matter what you're doing. Awesome. Well said. Thank you. Thank you. Well said. And thanks for doing yeah, the, thank un- you very much, Mike. And thanks for yeah, all the unknown you. work. I know you're on a committee for the unknowns and stuff, and that's a headache. So thank you. Yeah, for we, that. we have a few hiccups now and then, but I, I think the process is going pretty good. I need to get them out earlier. So I officially apologize to all the volunteers who keep asking for them. And then I get them out in time for the contest, but I know they want, want paperwork earlier. So we're, we're getting that going and, and making them as, as safe and as clean and as uh, challenging as we can in a, intellectual capacity so we're, we're having some fun but it's uh sweet yeah that, that was an entertaining one <laughs> if anyone wants to send unknown potential unknowns send them my way i could use i can always use more potential drafts and sequences and things i i like getting input awesome love it awesome thanks love thanks it. for having me on the show thanks, thanks for, for coming, coming on. on mike we yeah we really appreciate it and um you know i think everybody's gonna love this podcast sweet awesome well, we'll talk soon, and uh, thanks for coming on. Yeah, sounds good. Do we need to do a the movie guy voice for snow cones? And I don't know. That'll if we be. Do we'll do that guy. in post. Do that in post. <laughs> yeah, we have a yeah, we have yeah. a whole production team. If you couldn't oh, tell perfect. from the 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 um the dumpster fire that was the last podcast, we have a whole team. <laughs> we have we a whole team. To fix we have this. a whole production team. <laughs> it consists of the left hand and the right hand. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Taliban really screwed that one up. <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) In a world directed by Michael Bay looking for snow cones. Look at that. I think we just found who we needed. L. No. Midwing. (laughs) I think we just found the next uh, person to do our ads. Um, He's not busy enough already, you know. Whatever no, you whatever you and D is paying you, we're gonna triple it, and you're coming on. Oh, there we go. Triple it. <laughs> yes, full time. You're full time. <laughs> oh, I just. All right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks again, Mike. We really Thank appreciate you. you coming on, and uh, have a good night. Uh, we'll catch you guys all next week. Excellent. Thanks, dude. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. Be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Any questions, comments, or feedback, shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com. 